4: This is the BK and Ferrario Podcast, powered by I Promise. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Arenato hits it up the middle, diving stop. That's India to keep it on the infield. So it's a base hit. His first as a Cardinal for Nolan Arenado. Arenado breaks his bat and a base hit into center. Goldschmidt being waved in, he will score. Nolan Arenado, his first run batted in as a Cardinal and he's two for two on opening day. And the 1-0 pitch hit the other way. Base hit, Goldschmidt. Flaherty to third, he'll be waved in. He will score easily. Paul Goldschmidt is second
0: hit. That's what the Cardinals wanted to see all season long, and they saw it in the first game of the season. You could already see the impact of Nolan Arenado hitting behind Paul Goldschmidt. Goldie, Arenado, DeYoung, O'Neill, Carlson, the guys that we all like in this Cardinals lineup, they combined yesterday to go nine for 22. They had two doubles, two homers, eight RBI moving forward those are the guys that i trust in this lineup with alex ferrario and tanner hendrickson i'm brandon Kylie. the cardinal score 11 runs yesterday they get a win they're 1-0 on the year would
5: you like about what you saw from the lineup yesterday alex everything everything we knew that Arenado was going to change the lineup but i don't know if we really talked enough about how much he was going to change paul goldschmidt like the comfort level that Paul Goldschmidt looked like he had yesterday in that ball game, was a guy that I felt like I was watching in the Arizona Diamondbacks jersey. It wasn't it. I, I mean, every at bat yep. it was just confidence and comfort and calmness. It's the effect of Arenado. And I mean, look, you go through that lineup. Tommy Edman, maybe not the best day as a leadoff hitter, but first one out of gate, yeah, it's okay. Paul young. it was okay. Tyler O'Neill, it was great dylan carlson yeah baby i mean that's those were the ones that i was most curious about the other ones will figure it out i'm not worried about tommy edmund that will come along paul DeYoung, young little concerned but that's going to come along yadi's yadi yachty, the eight hole hitter whether it's justin williams or here's a bit i don't care you do what you need to do there but it was carlson it was o'neal goldschmidt and arenado those were the four I wanted to see, and those four did everything that we needed to see.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. We saw just about everything that we wanted to heading into that first game. Carlson, aggressive on the first pitch, hits the three-run bomb. Tyler O'Neill looked really good. Defensively, the outfield. We you know, we wondered about Carlson center, Williams and right. Williams makes a nice catch in right field. Uh and then Goldie, you mentioned he looks comfortable. <laughs> I I went back and looked at his numbers, and he saw I think it was 17 pitches in total yesterday and it was 12, 12 of them in the zone 12 in the strike zone and he swung i believe if i'm not mistaken 15 of the 17 pitches he saw were strikes three of them he had to foul off because he was down 0-2 but it just shows you that the pitchers are saying look we don't want someone on base when Arnado gets here let's just pound the strike zone and goldie said well that's fine i'll just hit the ball <laughs> and go look
5: at arenado's pitches because those were a lot of the outside of the zone very low be uh, underneath the kneecap he finds a way to do it man well he, that's the thing but still it's like you finally have that legitimate threat in your lineup to where you have two guys that you really can't pitch around right like I'm not saying it's Albert Pujols because nothing will be Albert Pujols but pitchers couldn't pitch to him because anywhere you went the dude was going to take it yard Goldschmidt and Arnauto are the exact same in my opinion to where they're going to take it
0: yard Goldie had four hits yesterday on opening day the last Cardinal to have four hits on opening day was Albert Pujols in 2010. It's been more than a decade since that's happened. I know that is like super small. Oh, so sample, it is Pujols then. Oh, arbitrary then. numbers. But I mean, that I think that's telling of the kind of day that he had yesterday. And I also loved this. He did not have a single Paul Goldschmidt did not have a single four hit day all of last season. And now on opening day of 2021 with that protection, we've talked so much about from Nolan Arenado, He has exactly that on the first day of the season. Paul Goldschmidt after the game yesterday gave his thoughts on what it's like to hit second in this Cardinals lineup.
2: I've got asked a lot about the lineup. And I think the biggest difference hitting second than maybe hitting third or fourth is you kind of are getting on base and able to be driven in a little bit more where when you're hitting third or fourth, you're the guy driving in the runs. It's not going to say it's not going to happen. You know, I had guys on, you know, a few times today, but I think just the way the lineup kind of lays out, the more you're hitting towards the top of the order, Tommy and and me, if I had second, you have an opportunity to score a little bit more runs and and maybe drive in a few less just by virtue of, of how it sets up.
0: That's the kind of hitter that I think Paul Goldschmidt is, too, by the way. Now, he is everything. He can hit for average. He gets on base. He can slug a little bit. And yesterday, the power was, frankly, a little surprising to me. The fact that his first at-bat, he goes up there and I mean, it it was as close as you can get to a home run without hitting a home run, especially in that ballpark. He looks fantastic, but I like the look of him now after seeing it for a game. And obviously you're going to say this after he has four hits, but I kind of like the look of him going up second and Arenado third in the first inning. I could be convinced of moving up Carlson third. I, I kind of like that as well, but Goldie hitting second makes a lot of sense because The thing that is underrated about him is probably his base running. And we saw this from Arenado yesterday as well. Goldie's got a little athleticism to him. He's not a base stealer, but he's a really good base runner. And having him on the base paths for Arenado, for Carlson, for DeYoung, I think that's going to be something that scores a lot of run for this Cardinals team too.
5: Yeah, I'm not not touching the lineup anytime soon. Like, it's 2-3, Goldschmidt, Arenado. And I can understand people wanting to put somebody there in between to break it up but I think Goldschmidt's approach at the plate and the pitches that he saw was because it was Arenado behind him and if you put somebody in the three hole maybe you get that same effect for them but I'm going that one-two punch right now because it is a scary look to the lineup because by the time you get through Arenado like we saw with Castillo in the first inning yesterday dude's fatigued and when you get a guy who is just losing it where look those errors kind of yeah. Got, he got into his own head after Suarez was missing balls left and right but by the time Castillo saw Paul DeYoung and then Tyler O'Neill, I mean this dude was worn down which is why the Cardinals scored those six runs so I'm not touching this lineup right now Goldschmidt Arenado are my one two punch in the two three spot I mean he hit what all four of his hits were over 100 miles an hour off the bat like that's impressive man that's a hard hit rate
1: yeah, and you and you mentioned with Goldie, you're not changing the lineup. I agree with you. And you mentioned BK how Arnado went down and got some of those balls. It, that is that adds to the frustration as a pitcher. Okay, Goldie's on. I got to pitch around Arnado. Well, then he gets on base on a really good pitch, and I think that first inning we saw what showed talked about that punch in the face. I think Edmund grounded out. You get a double from Goldie, which was almost an apotaco, taco. And then you've also got the single from Arnato So with one out runners on the corners, you've already got two guys on base, one in scoring position. Young comes up. I mean, that is hard to get out of a
5: first Hang inning. On. How the hell are you the get-off-my-lawn guy <laughs> and, and then Taco use guy? Apo Taco in the middle of this conversation? <laughs> what, How the know? heck are you a guy of, I want the pitchers to hit, that and was then you're yesterday. using Apo Taco? No, it wasn't. No, it, come was on, about, it wasn't. What, No, come on. There Dude, were two walks. We
1: saw a great punt by, who was it, Castillo? Yeah. Great punt. Fantastic! You yeah. saw the movement. We saw the infield.
0: How many hot dogs moving? did you eat? You yesterday? saw a double switch yesterday. He- Three and two brats. Oh Tanner, no, two it? and two. Actually, sorry. You had two brats <laughs> and two hot dogs uh, yesterday. I was what starving, is, man. I didn't, till I, I didn't eat until I got my home.
5: I didn't eat until I got home. My God, Tanner, wrong with you, man. And a couple beers. It was great. Okay, oh, well, well, that's fine. But I hope your stomach's feeling off all right dogs, today. Man. I feel bro. fine. One hot dog. I had one
1: meal yesterday, so give me a break. You mentioned
0: the exit velocity for Paul Goldschmidt, Alex. Here's what he here's what it looked like coming off the bat yesterday. 109 miles per hour for a single 105 miles per hour for a single 103 miles per hour for a double another 103 mile an hour double the softest hit ball of the day for Paul Goldschmidt was a 102 mile an hour ground out that you guys know I love me some expected stats. It had a 63% chance of being a hit. How did the grass affect that one?
5: Was that 63% going towards Suarez? Because otherwise I think it should be 36%. I don't know where it ended up, but I mean, that's, that's an unbelievable day for Paul Goldschmidt in any way, shape,
0: or form. You guys are talking about how you don't want to change up the lineup. Can we talk about one guy that we would like to see moved though? Who? Dylan Carlson oh
5: come on BK Dylan Carlson needs to move up in the order after one game you're just ready to move this guy up and promote him
0: yes because it's not just one game he looked fantastic and I don't want Justin Williams and Jack Flaherty coming up after him I'm good with moving him up a little bit in the order now that might be mean as simply as moving him up one spot Yadier Molina goes down to the seven hole Dylan Carlson goes up to the six hole I'm good with that you can't have him hitting behind Yachty. We can all agree, right? Like, that—that that is a silly way to construct looks pretty, this It looked pretty
5: effective yesterday, didn't
0: it? I mean, Yachty had a, a fine day, but Yachty or Molina is not as good of a hitter at this point in his career as Dylan Carlson is.
5: Right, but I, again, I'm not touching it. Why, though? Like it, because he's already comfortable there. Like you're in the seven hole. You just Is he gonna forget how to hit because he's batting sixth
0: instead hey, of seven? Man, Carpenter. Carpenter forgot, did. Yeah, Carpenter oh Carpenter forgot, Carpenter the forgot what from first <laughs> to
5: third was, right? Like why why mess with it when it's working, right? It's the old Craig Baruby method. Don't break don't fix it if it's not broken. It was one game. Exactly. Let him go for two for two. Don't touch Dylan Carlson yet, BK. Just let it be, man. Let it be. Uh, I'm with you. I'm okay with keeping the lineup the
1: same. I wouldn't mind bumping him up in the future just because Chris Welsh, who was on with us on the Danny Mac show, who said. said, Name that
5: singer. That Uh, band, you
1: mean?
0: The Beatles. Before my time. time, But the singer, I was thinking, John. He he, he wouldn't have. Before my time. He wouldn't have grasped that. No chance. (laughs) Before (laughs) my time.
1: (laughs) Before.
0: I was young 12 years old when the Beatles were in their heyday, Tanner.
1: Where was I? Oh, yes, on Carlson. So I I would understand bumping him up. Chris Welsh mentioned on the Danny Mac show how the Cardinals are kind of right-handed heavy, and that could favor bullpens going into the season. I want a bullpen to prove me wrong, though, on that first before I do anything with the lineup. I'm okay with Carlson remaining in the seventh spot.
0: I just think you're kind of wasting it. I, I, think, I think
5: Carlson's in for a big year. I think you're trying to break Dylan Carlson, BK.
0: I think it has nothing to do with that. I want him getting more opportunities than Yadier Molina in the lineup. And I actually think you can make a case. Tyler O'Neill should be batting ahead of Paul DeYoung. Oh, I'm okay with that. I think Tyler O'Neal by the next week or two could be your cleanup hitter. You could see Dylan Carlson batting fifth, and then maybe Paul DeYoung is hitting sixth. I think moving forward, that might be the lineup construction for the here and now, though, at the very minimum, I would like to see them move Dylan Carlson up again, even if it's as small as one spot in the lineup. It's not a huge deal, but I think he's going to see even better pitches to hit if he's not batting in front of Williams and then the pitcher spot late in the game.
5: Can I throw a crazy idea at you guys? Please. Oh, boy. What about hitting Paul DeYoung second? And then moving Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan
0: Arnauto, three, four.
1: I thought we I, weren't breaking the lineup. Yeah, I was I about to say, I think we, I did, just I we just talked about how we liked
0: Goldschmidt hitting it. second. So I, if you're going to move those guys, I would say somebody batting third, Nolan Arenado moving to the cleanup spot. I like Goldschmidt hitting second right now. I'm good with that. Yeah.
1: I I don't care where we hit them, whether it's, I'm not going to say seventh, eighth, but I want them back to back. I don't want anybody in between those two. Yeah. They're just such a lethal punch. I don't want to split them up. you
0: Certainly right. looked good yesterday. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. It's 1113, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Somebody from the text line, 65780, said, Hey, guys, the lineup looked great. Jack Flaherty, though, did not. We got to talk about Jack's day and the bullpen coming up big yesterday. Which relievers right now belong in your circle of trust? We'll tell you coming up on 101 ESPN. This
4: is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario.
5: You know, when he's pitching in the mid-90s with his slider, um, I think it's all about probably commanding the ball. And if he's commanding the ball um, to that sort of low outside quadrant and then kind of working the ball up and in with his heater so he can get guys off of his slider, um, I I think he definitely improved it two years ago. Um, that he's got potential to be a, a very dominant pitcher in the national league.
0: That was Matt holiday yesterday on the fast lane, talking about Jack Flaherty and why he thinks that it's going to be a big year for Jack. And yesterday we didn't see it. Let's be honest, four and a third innings. He gave up six hits, two walks. He did strike out four, which was nice to see. Second inning was fantastic, but Just too many guys getting on base Ended the day with six earned runs allowed. And those two homers were really the backbreakers for him. Not a great day for Jack Flaherty. And I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people that are pessimistic on him today as a result of that. Guys, I'm not among that group. I feel like that was kind of a blip on the radar. The biggest issue for him was... Honestly, the biggest issue for Castillo as well. I just didn't feel like they either of them had very good command of the zone yesterday. And so when you're Jack Flaherty and you're not commanding the zone, yeah, that's what it's going to look like. If that becomes a trend, if we're 3-4 starts into the season and it continues looking like that, that's when I'm going to be worried. But after yesterday's game, I don't have it in me to be worried about Jack Flaherty yet.
5: I'm not worried about the command as much because the walks didn't come until the end of his outing. It was that last inning before he was pulled where he had the back-to-back walks. Up until that point, he was going after mm-hmm. hi- after hitters, which I loved the aggressiveness of Jack Flaherty. For me, the problem is the same thing we saw in that first spring training game. When he doesn't get a call his way, you start to see Jack Flaherty get frustrated. And when he gets frustrated, that's when pitches start to become wild. That one pitch that I, I, PT was talking about on uh, on the call with Danny Mack yesterday, he didn't let the ball out of his hand because it looked like he was just trying to heave it as hard as he could. And I think that was following up the call that wasn't made by the home plate umpire. That was his top left corner. Could have been a strike. That's my bigger concern with Jack Flaherty. We all know he's got aggressiveness. We all know that he's a competitor. But his problem is when things don't go the direction and when adversity hits, it seems like he starts to get aggressive. And that's when things start to go the opposite direction. Because from the get-go, first inning, I thought Jack Flaherty looked solid. It was from... It was kind of after things started going south that Jack Flaherty started to go south.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. Not a lot of concern, and it was cold, so it's harder to grip the baseball. So that's that's the number one thing that I have. But something that I found interesting, and in it, in it, again, I'm not overreacting to it. I'm not going to wave the red flag and oh panic over here. You ready?
0: Here comes Tanner know, Terrible Takes.
1: Not Terrible what do Takes. What we got today? Terrible. His average velo was down a mile and a half yesterday on ah. his fastball. And again, I'm not waving the red flag that's not a terrible take, but I think it is kind worth of. I think it is worth kind of keeping an eye on. And I understand it was cold the first start. And we've heard uh people on the show before, I can't remember you who. You know but, Saris, yeah. Yeah, he's mentioned how, you know, usually a pitcher gains another mile, mile and a half in the season. If that's the case, he'll get up to his average velo, But I think it's something to kind of keep an eye on. The velocity was down, it was cold, maybe that was part of it. So that's just something that I want to keep an eye on, not a terrible take. So
0: <laughs> I did like, I will say this ninety four pitches yesterday. Ninety four pitches. And that shows me that, yes, it happened in four and a third. You'd rather see that stretched out over six innings from a guy like Jack Flaherty. But the fact that he was able to get up that high makes me feel like this is going to be a normal season for Jack Flaherty. Mm -hmm. He's going to get into a second, third, fourth starts, and you're going to see him right around that hundred pitch outing. That's what we expected from him prior to last season. So I feel good about Flaherty being kind of back to where he was a couple of years ago. No, he's not going to be 2019 second half of the season, Jack Flaherty, because that guy is one of the greatest pitchers in the history of the game. But he can be something between that and what we saw uh, at the first half of that season. A really good starter, one of the 10 best in the National League. I think that's what we're going to see from Flaherty this year. He wasn't that yesterday. I think we're going to see more of that in the future. The other big storyline pitching-wise yesterday was the bullpen because they ended up coming in, shutting the game down. You gave up zero earned run to, runs from the bullpen over four and two-thirds, and Mike Schilt talked after the game about what he saw from his bullpen. He was certainly impressed.
2: You know, Webby needs to get a, some real credit. You know, he got out of a you know nice little jam there with base loaded and one out and gets Moustakas to fly out to center and, and was able to get a Aquino, so um, did a nice job. And, uh, yeah, hell's a guy of his own jam. You know, Cabby didn't help himself with a couple of walks, but you know, kept his composure, got a couple of fly balls, and um, Gio was sharp. You know, looked good. Stuff was crisp, and then Alex, um, like you said, got his feet wet, got in there, was able to uh, get his ending in and bring it home. It wasn't perfect, though.
0: I think that a lot of people are looking at the zero earned runs, and they're like, "Oh, great, great outing by the bullpen." It it was a good outing by the bullpen. Ryan Helsley tried to make it super interesting. Uh, Cabrera tried to make things really interesting with the
1: walks. Need a little excitement in the game. It's fine. Sure.
0: Uh, it was not perfect. And so I wanted to ask you guys, because coming out of that, I said when Helsley started giving up all those hits, I texted you guys. I said, Helsley makes me a little nervous. And then about 10 minutes later, Alex texted the group chat. He's like, eh, Cabrera makes me a little <laughs> nervous here. So let's go ahead. Let's create our Cardinals bullpen circle of trust. As of today, we are one game into the season. You don't break the circle of trust, Greg. That's right. We are one game into the season. Who would be in your circle of trust where when they enter the game, you are super confident, whether it be a a one-run game or a 15-run game, you're confident that they are going to get the job done in that spot? Because I've got three so far. Alex, where are you at with the guys that you have full confidence, they're going to come into the game, and they're going to get the job
5: done? I have three. It's Gallegos, it's Reyes, and it's Webb.
0: Yep. Those are my three. Those are my three. That's my three, too. (laughs) So there are two others that I think can work their way into this mix. Andrew Miller and Jordan Hicks, I think as we go along here over the next couple of weeks, I'm willing to work my way towards them being into the circle of trust. Right now, they're kind of on the corner. They're on the periphery trying to make their way into the middle. We didn't see them yesterday. Hopefully, we see them over the weekend. There are three guys that make me super nervous, though, in the bullpen right now. We saw two of them yesterday, Cabrera and Helsley. The other one is Woodford just because of the unknown of it. We're not really sure what he's going to look like this year, so kind of throw him off to the side. Where are you guys at with Cabrera and Helsley right now? Because those two guys in particular make me super nervous when they come into the game.
5: Helsley's so weird to me because at the start of last season, I mean, the dude was lights out. He probably would have been number one on our list. And then as that season went along, he started to drop off Cabrera is the one that makes me really nervous every single time he comes out because he's got sick stuff. I mean, he has strikeout pitches, but he also just is all over. Like, there is no command, and I get it. It was 20 degrees yesterday. It was snowing. It was windy, but it's it's not like that was the first time we've seen that from Cabrera. He's had a, a track record of this, so I don't think anybody makes me more nervous other than Andrew Miller, Andrew Miller makes me nervous. But we haven't <laughs> seen him yet. Nobody makes me more nervous than G- uh, Genesis Cabrera coming out of that bullpen.
1: I'm with you. The command is the biggest thing for me with him. His stuff might be a little too sick for its own good, let's be honest. Uh, he hasn't really—we talked about it. I think he was on our 20 Most Important Cardinals about how he needs to work on command. If he has it, then he's going to be one of the best pitchers out of the pen. Again, it was cold. We didn't see it last night. Hard to command it. Elsley, I'm not too concerned about yesterday. Do I not- understand. I think he's got good enough stuff. I, I think it was just kind of a blip. I could be a hundred percent wrong. I understand where you're so coming from.
5: was the from last, last year. five appearances last season too? Yeah, well,
1: okay. But uh, 2019 he was really good. 2019 oh, yeah, he was two okay. Years ago. So
5: Matt Carpenter was great in 2016. Hey, we're
1: living on Carlos Martinez in 2017. No, I'm so. living
5: off of Carlos Martinez in spring training. The thing that makes uh. me nervous
0: about Ryan Helsley is I know he's got like he lights up the radar gun. He's throwing 98, but he's not missing any bats. Like yeah. it, it's it's so straight, and they were talking about this on the radio broadcast at times yesterday. I think it was Ricky Horton who mentioned it. Like it is straight as an arrow, and they've got to read all about that right out after it's coming out of his hands. In his career in the bigs, opposing hitters hit 300 with a five thirty five slugging percentage against his four seam. He doesn't miss any bats. He has a 20% strikeout rate in his career. That is. Super average. I mean, we talk about Tyler O'Neill. That's the kind of strikeout rate that you want to see, 30% for a pitcher. That's what you get out of Cabrera. He's around that area, but Cabrera's got the walk issues. Helsley doesn't walk quite as many batters, although he does walk some. It's the fact that he can't seem to get that fastball to actually get guys out. He's got a good slider, but he's got to find a way to make that fastball work for him a little better. It's just too straight right now, and opposing hitters have too much of a beat on it.
1: Well, that's the thing, too, is he really has to get that slider going. He has to establish the slider early because, like you mentioned, the fastball is so straight. We've we've heard the phrase all the time, you can throw 105, but they can hit a fastball. If there's no movement on it, I mean, that's kind of with Hicks. Hicks is harder to hit with 105 because it's got movement on it. It's got life. Helsley's is straight, so he has to establish the slider. If he doesn't do that, I think that's where you'll see the problems. I think that's what we saw yesterday.
5: Helsley's in an interesting uh, predicament, in my opinion, because Cody Whitley's very similar to Ryan Helsley, and Whitley had a great spring training. I was
0: to say, I actually might trust Whitley more and than And last Hellsley.
5: year, we did trust Whitley more. Last year, before kind of COVID hit and he was done for the season, Cody Whitley was one of their better pitchers out of the bullpen, too, so... I. I I don't know how long you look at Helsley before you say, "Okay, let's see what Cody Whitley's got. And you give Helsley a little more time in that alternate camp.
1: Throw another name in there. How about Parsons? I I would really I really want to see Parsons get a shot with this team. If Cabrera has a few
0: more outings like what he had yesterday, I think you could see it because Cabrera has, if I'm not mistaken, he's got options still. So
5: you could send yes. him down. How are his you splits, can... though, against lefty righties? Because
0: We'd have to look that up. But you've got enough left-handed uh, guys in your bullpen right now that I think yeah. you could
5: cover for I, it.
1: I was shocked that career made the roster, kind of, because you already have the two lefties that you mentioned, Miller and Webb. I was surprised they carried a third. I'm going to assume it was because they thought they could get multiple innings out of them. Sure.
5: Yeah, You go Especially for length early. I was, I was expecting. I was shocked, too, because I was expecting him as a starter. Miller and Hicks, real
0: quick, for the circle of trust, how much do you need to see out of those guys this weekend for them to be able to make their way into your circle of trust?
5: Hicks, I'm not too worried about. I I was with Dan yesterday. I would have liked to see Hicks in that game because it was such a big lead. The cold. I think it's cold. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, Hicks, I'm giving a a long leash because not only did you miss an entire season, but you also had Tommy John, Uh, Andrew Miller for me, especially if Tyler Webb performs, it's going to be hard for me to let him in my circle of trust. Like Because we've seen it where he'll have two or three good outings and then he'll blow a game the next ones, which I know is all bullpen pitchers. But Andrew Miller's a little bit uh, more of a curious case, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I agree. Curious case, not what he was with uh, Hicks. I want to see him get kind of what we talk, you were talking about, get in a game where it doesn't really matter, not as intense. That way he can build up some confidence before you actually start to put him into those kind of roles. Yeah. I think
0: Hicks, I need to see it for about two weeks. Miller, I need like a month and a half for me to feel truly confident of him being in the Miller, circle. Miller, I need like
5: August, and then I'll feel good.
0: With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line. Questions and answers coming up here in just about 15 minutes or so. Gary Bennett, former Cardinals catcher, is going to join us next, talk about some of his favorite Cardinals opening day memories and what he's most excited about for this year's Cardinals club. Gary Bennett next on 101 ESPN.
4: This is the BK and Ferrario Podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario.
0: Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. Very happy to go out to the Brownie and at Celebrity Line, talking a little opening day memories and 2021 Cardinals with Gary Bennett, 2006 World Series champion, former Cardinals catcher himself. Gary, we always appreciate the time, my friend. How you doing today? I'm doing great, fellas. How about yourself? Doing very well. So, let's start with this year's Cardinals Club. What are you most looking forward to? I mean, we saw them for the first time yesterday, and it it looked great, especially on the offensive side of things. What are you most anticipating with this year's Cardinals Club?
3: Well, I think it's a couple things, and uh, I'm sure it's been discussed around St. Louis. The impact uh, that third baseman you picked up is going to have in that lineup. So, you know, Goldsmith, Aaron Otto, and DeYoung in the middle of your lineup is, I think, phenomenal and would rival pretty much anything else out there in the league. Um, there's a lot of potential. Uh, there's certainly a lot of talent. I think, obviously, offensively in that lineup, you've got Yachty, who's a professional hitter. He's going to do what he does. And then if if the other folks, you know, that don't have as much time in the back of their baseball card, the stats don't, don't stack up uh, like these other fellas do, uh, if they can hold their own or – reach near their potential I think it's going to be a hell of a team to watch and they're going to be explosive but uh, you know that's a big if get some young guys that uh, have to produce
5: Gary you've seen the impact of a huge bat in the lineup of Albert Pujols and what he can do to other guys a player like Nolan Arenado and a player like Paul Goldschmidt does that ease the tension off some of these younger guys like a Tyler O'Neill a Dylan Carlson to maybe not try and go out there and do too much and just be themselves
3: I certainly think it does because they're obviously those two are going to do a lot of damage, so they're going to carry the lineup. You know, the line share of the work. So the younger guys, exactly right. Don't have to feel like they have to be world beaters to go out there. Just do what you do and contribute. Put together productive at bats on a consistent basis, and, and let let the, let the big boys do what they do, and it's it will be, it will work out very well for them.
0: Gary, we talked to uh, Tory Hunter yesterday and I thought something that he said was just so interesting to me. He was talking about how, you know, three years into his career, he was sent down to the minors and he he made a conscious decision to stop listening to so many different voices that were trying to tinker with the way that he was hitting. He's like, you know what? I've got an identity, I know who I am as a hitter, and we all know what happened with Torrey Hunter the rest of his career. Have you yes, seen absolutely. that as well with young guys that for the first couple of years are trying to find their sea legs, and then eventually they're like, you know what, I'm just going to get back to being me. And what does that do for a player when they get back to that?
3: I think that's the biggest part of the growing pains is, you know, you get to the major leagues, and then I certainly wasn't an everyday player. I had a few years' where. I played a fair amount, but the guys that are everyday players and you know, all worlds world of talent, um, it's it's one, getting there, you're cocky when you get there and you think you belong, but you're not sure. And then proving to yourself you belong when you're playing against guys you grew up watching on TV. I remember my first time I played against the Cubs. I grew up in North Chicago. I'm on first base. There's Mark Grace and Ryan Sanders playing second base. And you think you belong there, but then you see that it kind of shakes you a little bit. So one is proving to yourself you belong there. Then the league adjusts back to you because they're going to find some holes and they're going to expose them, and then it's you trusting your ability, showing up some of the weaknesses, and just staying with what you are. And I, I think what Tori's saying that is, is, you can't try to be somebody else or something you're not, and ultimately that's what you settle into. And the, and the league will, you know, the league will let you know what you can and can't do, and it's getting that comfort level of believing yourself one, believing you belong two and just staying within yourself, whatever that your ability allows you to do.
5: We're talking with former Cardinal Gary Bennett here on BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Uh, Gary, on field yesterday, and I'm sure you saw some of this for the Cardinals, you know, we've talked a little bit about it today, the pitching for guys like Jack Flaherty in the bullpen. I'm sure you've played in temperatures like what the Cardinals played in yesterday. From a catcher's perspective, is there anything you can say to a pitcher when it is 20 degrees out and you cannot grip that baseball?
3: It, it sucks, man. And it, it's uh, no, there's really not a whole lot other than you know along the lines you're talking about the hitters not trying to do too much when, when those outside factors. You know, I can't feel it as well. Sometimes you try to do more. Versus, hey, let's take a little off. Let's try less. Let's just focus on locating versus trying to get that spin or whatever else. The grip's not there. It's, It's relaxing. And actually, the old less is more model really comes into play in those scenarios.
0: We're talking to Gary Bennett, 2006 World Series champion and former Cardinals catcher. He's joining us here on 101 ESPN. Gary, with opening day here in St. Louis, now a week away, and yesterday seeing the official MLB opening day, I did want to ask you, you know, you played in the league for almost 15 years. What was your favorite opening day memory? Do you have one that immediately comes to mind for you?
3: I do. Um, It's it's tough to say the one favorite, but certainly my first opening day is up there... (laughs) High on the list, the top three uh, with, the, with the Phillies. First time hearing the name announced. Run out to the line. That's something I'll never forget. But I, I will tell you, uh, definitely one that sticks out. And uh, I was part of, I think, four St. Louis opening days. Two as a, a member of the Cardinals and then two uh, as a visiting player. And the first time, I think, was 0-2 with the Rockies. And I remember waking up, it was a day game, and, uh, you know, making coffee. And I looked out the window. I had no idea what to expect opening day in St. Louis. I've been in a few opening days, but it's different there, as as everyone listening knows. Uh, I remember just opening the blinds window, making coffee, getting ready to go down and get breakfast, looking outside, and all the stuff set up in, in the streets, the red everywhere, jackets, sweatshirts, jerseys, uh, just the amazing amount of energy. Around uh, Bush Stadium, it blew me away. And then, walking I think we're at the Hilton across the street. Walked from the Hilton over to Bush Stadium. People everywhere, excitement—it just absolutely floored me. I loved it. It was amazing. What do you think that's going
5: to be like for a guy like Nolan Arenado, who's gone through plenty of opening days, Gary, with Colorado and seen everything that you can imagine being on the road. But the first time when you step onto the field at Bush Stadium, and, and it's not going to be the same this season with not having the red jackets that they usually do, and the in the building right. not being as big as it usually is, but just that feeling—can you talk about what that is when you step onto that field, whether it was home or away?
3: Yeah, it's 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 actually tough to put into words. It's the, the I was in St. Louis just in awe of, of the, the you know the and circumstance, the the Clydesdales the legends of the game that are there, which is that obviously it's going to be different this year, but just, just the, the sound and the feel and the smells, it's, it's tough to put a finger on, but St. Louis was just, I, I was in awe. Like I said, it was, it was amazing. Just, just kept smiling, staring around, just awestruck.
0: Gary, the final thing that I wanted to get to with you, I can't believe this is the case, but this is the 15 year anniversary this year of the 06 world series championship. I, I was talking about this yesterday, the other day, we had, we had another member of the 06 team on with us and I, I recalled the Bob Nightingale story. That was tigers are going to win this one in three. It's just, it's such an <laughs> uneven matchup that the tigers, they're going to win this one in three. What do you remember about that series? And did you guys feel that inside of that clubhouse of how the outsiders were looking at this series between the Cardinals and the tigers back then?
3: Um, no, we didn't really feel that, and I, I could tell you it, it went back to uh, well, Padres were supposed to beat us. We weren't supposed to have a chance against the Mets, uh, and then obviously it was the same thing with the, with the Tigers. But I remember that first game in San Diego. Just to, I guess to veer off your question a little bit, it was the first time that lineup had been completely healthy since I think April. Mm-hmm. So you know, Pulos went down for a while. Jimmy went down for a while. Scotty went down for a while. Uh, Eck was down for a while, and it was the first time that entire lineup was healthy and back. And it was cool to see, walking and sitting on that lineup. So, no, um, on paper, you can say what you want. I mean, certainly uh, some keepers, teams on paper sound and look deeper or better, but you got to get out between the lines and play it, man. And and we had full confidence in it, top to bottom on that roster, and it didn't affect us one bit or, or didn't even think twice about what, what people on the outside were saying.
0: Gary, last thing for you. Yesterday, we talked with Walt Jockety, and he was the guy that was kind of the, the mastermind behind putting those teams together in, in the early 2000s. And we asked him if this year's club with the Arenado Goldschmidt kind of middle of the order reminded him at all of the way that he put together teams. He said he actually thought that the Arenado trade reminded him specifically of the Scott Rowland deal that they made. Does this team remind you at all in, in its construction of those early 2000s Cardinals clubs that you were on?
3: i I think the horse is in the middle certainly um i think the only difference uh i I think the talent the potential is is obviously off the charts it's just there's there's some of those younger guys aren't as proven as maybe some of the guys on the roster of of those early uh 2000 cardinals teams but there's the potential wise man I'm, i'm looking really looking forward to the arms they got the athletes they got offensively i'm really looking forward to watch so uh if they put it together, man, they're going to be dangerous.
0: Well, Gary, we're looking forward to watching that. We always look forward to talking with you. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. All the best to you and yours, and we'll talk with you again soon, my friend.
3: I appreciate it, guys. Anytime. Thanks for having me on.
0: Absolutely. That's Gary Bennett joining us here on 101 ESPN. 06 World Series champion, former Cardinals catcher as well. I'm really interested to see, after talking with Tori Hunter, seeing what Tyler O'Neill looked like all spring, and then seeing what he looked like again yesterday with the homer. This might be the year where he really did kind of tune out all the outside noise, go back to who he is as a hitter, because you saw the power on display once again yesterday. If if he can put it together, Alex, it it completely changes the way that we look at the Cardinals outfield production possibilities.
5: Yeah, by no means will it ever be the MV3 of Edmonds, Pujols, and Roland. Pretty darn close to it, though, if you can have Goldschmidt, Arenado hitting to the peak that they are. My buddy said it's MV2, is what the Cardinals have right now. The way they hit yesterday, I tweeted it out and I said it looks like it's about to be MV9 on the field because that's what that freaking oh, game damn. looks like. But,
0: I, we could say eight. It's TNL, man. Well, Remember when the According
5: pitchers pitch and hit, you know? They should be able to, yes. Well, maybe not so much. But no, I mean, honestly, though, you know you got MV2, right? Like, you know you have Goldschmidt and Arenado at peak performance. But if you can add either DeYoung or O'Neal, again, it's not going to be anywhere near that level. But if you could get that, it could be a new look to a lineup that you haven't had in a really long time.
0: 65780 is the Air Comfort Service Tax Line. Questions and answers coming up
4: next. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario.
5: 65780 is
0: the air comfort service text line for questions and answers coming up here in just about 20 minutes or so we'll play a game of bet it or forget it but right now let's start with this one from the 980 guys on opening day which was the more surprising outcome the Rockies beating the Dodgers or the Pirates beating the Cubs Rockies over Dodgers or Pirates over Cubs which one surprised you more honestly
5: the Pirates over the Cubs really yeah like, I think I agree with that. I mean, look, what? the, the Rock- Rockies have talent. The Rockies have good pitchers if they can stay healthy, Pittsburgh and they
1: has a Triple A team. Who?
5: Yeah, Triple A. a-, a- that's song. why it's more surprising that they beat the Cubs, who have a team that everyone said don't overlook the Cubs. They got like a Triple A rotation. The though. Cubs had six freaking hits yesterday. It was cold. With Anthony Rizzo, Javier Baez, Chris Bryant in that lineup, and they had six hits against the Pirates. See, mine's the Dodgers because
1: they were playing in Colorado where the ball just carries and that with that lineup. I thought they would put up a 20 spot yeah, on opening day. I get it. Colorado has talent, but, but they had a bad performance from their pitcher.
5: Like the pirates had everything click and beat a Cubs team that Kyle Hendricks last season on opening day through a opening day. Shutout wasn't a no hitter. It was yep. a shutout. You just lost to a team that has like zero major league players on it.
1: Maybe, uh, Maybe they'll be better than well, we think
5: They have one Key Brian Hayes is awesome That guy's okay, good well He's a current MLB player But before this he wasn't Yeah he, He's really good The rest of the team Not good I at mean, all I how many first year players Or at least like at, at least under three Three year players Are on that Pirates team You could play a pretty good game Of Pirates
0: player Or fake made up name <laughs> like, Let's play it <laughs> Let's play it Um Brian Reynolds well,
1: That's a real player That's a
0: real player I know that I know that name Yeah Uh uh, Colin Moran. We, I know that one. Real player. Real player. I'm two for two. Damn right. Kevin Newman. Okay, that's a fake name.
1: That's a real player.
0: He's He's been on the club for a minute now. You're
5: cheating, Tanner. You knew. Sorry, I watch baseball. Anthony
0: Alford. <laughs> that is such that a is fake, fake name. <laughs> <You> <laughs> that's a that fake one up. name.
5: Anthony Alford
0: is 26 years old. He has apparently been in the big leagues for six years now. He played for Toronto for four of them, and he's been on the Pirates for the last two seasons. Wow.
5: My mistake. I thought it was six hits. I really thought that one was made up. It was two hits yesterday. Two hits.
1: Hey, it's a, Off still of the Pirates. There's still 161 games to go. It's no,
5: fine. Get out of here. Cardinals that's the are going one that's surprising. And 0. Sorry, BK. We wasted way too much time on that. Michael Perez. That's is a their, fake name. Uh, their backup catcher. That's a fake name. Who? They got a
0: lot of dudes on their roster where I'm like, excuse me, You sure? Are we sure this man is real? Are we sure? Uh, 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line for questions and answers. Hey, guys, the Cardinals need three things to happen this season to become a contender. Two of their starters need to be elite. One of their outfielders and one of their bullpen arms also need to develop into being an elite player. Do you agree with this? So three things that need to happen. They need two starters an outfielder and a bullpen arm to develop into elite players. Do you think that is what needs to happen?
5: I don't know if they need to be a, you need one starting pitcher to be elite. Jack Flaherty. You, you don't need an outfielder to be elite because you already have two elite players. You need an outfielder to be really good. And I don't know if you need an elite bullpen arm because it's kind of a bullpen by committee, if that makes sense. So I'd agree with one of those. I don't know because I don't, I don't think you need two elite starters I think you need a starter to emerge as a legitimate number two.
0: You need Jack Flaherty to be elite. And I think you need an outfielder to emerge as a borderline all-star. He doesn't have to make the all-star game, but he needs to put up numbers that would be all-star caliber. Yeah, so I think you, if you do that, that is how you You do need
5: it. a really good outfielder to be hitting in the four hole and be really good in that four hole. Not yeah. elite, but you need somebody who can back up Arnauto and Goldschmidt.
1: I think I would agree with that. I I think the bullpen as a whole needs to be elite. Not just one guy, but the bullpen as a whole needs to be really good, like top five Major League Baseball, because what's postseason baseball become? A bullpen game, especially
5: with the pitching too. Without yeah. Dakota Hudson in that rotation and the uncertainty of Miles Michaelis, you do need that bullpen to be elite. t-bone I agree. Six
0: five seven eight zero is the Air Comfort Service text line from the three one four guys. Remember when the Blues looked unstoppable and Alex said nobody's going to stop this team at five on five after their first game? No, I don't. I week. don't
5: remember that. I Are we
0: doing, doing the same thing with the Cardinals after their first game oh, that we did course. with the Blues? Of course, oh, they're
1: going to get killed tomorrow. Oh my
5: gosh! <laughs> hey, it took them at least a month before the Blues got beaten really bad.
1: Uh, uh, Second game?
5: No, it was yeah, it was the second game. That was Ville Huso, though. That was no, rough. No, don't that don't was bad. No, it that was not Huso. That was Bennington. If, no, Huso was in. Well, Bennington got pulled, but then Huso gave up like five in one period. If that was a not precursor well. of things to come, woof! Did we uh, not spend enough time on that game?
0: Um, I I think the biggest difference is the injuries, right? We can't predict injuries and in what really set the blue season yeah. off the rails was the injuries happening seemingly every night like after the first series basically against colorado it was every night there was one more guy that was leaving the lineup it, what wasn't it was that like seven out of ten games or something like that where they finished the game with fewer yeah. than 20 position players available yeah, to they them?
5: basically win an entire month of not having more than three games before a player was injured it's insane so i think that you're gonna see
0: hopefully something different than that for the Cardinals which would hopefully keep this thing back on the rails (laughs) 65780 is the air comfort service X line from the 314 BK it used to be you're the best now it's my friend are you really friends with all these guys
5: okay well he's not friends with us we know that that's true he wants to change the name of the show to BK and company I thought it was well it's not friends that was just BK well yeah he wants to change the whole station to BK
0: BK on the air. (laughs) Yikes. (laughs) Live and local all day long. All right, last thing, real quick. uh, Tanner, before we get out of here, we mentioned this briefly earlier. I want to give you an opportunity. You saw the National League playing National League Baseball yesterday. What was it like for you, man? Come
1: now. It was fantastic. (laughs) The strategy of moving the pitcher spot around, the double switch, (laughs) the exciting butt. I got a guy over to second base. Come on, moving in baseball. We talk
5: about it. I understand he's saying all of this from a man who just ate two hot dogs last night while he was watching the baseball games. And two brats. And two brats. Yeah. And popcorn.
1: I didn't have popcorn. And he
5: said today, I'm going to go home and make a chili dog. (laughs) Oh, it's going to be great.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Tanner literally texted us when he saw that there was a
5: double switch that had taken place. He's like... Oh my god, it's back! It's back! Every time a pitcher came up to the plate, it was, Pitcher's gonna hit! (laughs) Pitcher's gonna hit! Hey, I
1: think the pitchers had two walks yesterday, so the batting eye for the pitchers is doing great. Technically,
5: that's 0 for
0: in that game.
1: That... With Good Alex Ferrario yeah, and Tanner percentage. Hendrickson,
0: I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. It's 12 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers and officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Coming up next. Hey, you remember the island of misfit toys that the Cardinals used to be? Yeah, there's a team that that applies to in the division now, but it isn't the Cardinals. We'll tell you about it coming up next on 101 ESPN.
4: Line drive, caught by O'Neill. His throw will come into second, and it'll turn into a double play. They run themselves right out of the inning. It's a double play, and they run right out of the inning.
0: So at that point, so yesterday, Kara and I had our cake tasting, right? We went over to Wedding Wonderland, got our wonderful cake. Hold on. You went on a cake tasting? Adventure when there was a Cardinals game, so yeah, and I was unaware. We scheduled this. You know how this works, Alex. You schedule it like two months in advance, right? I didn't even think of the fact that, hey, the Cardinals open up their season on opening day, April first, nor
5: more of a reason why you have no veto.
0: So I went good point. I went back and rewatched the game afterwards, but I was listening to the broadcast um on the radio on my way into, um into our cake tasting and I heard that on the radio John Rudy had no idea what was going on on that play and this not this is not a shot at John Rudy nobody had any clue what had taken Mm -hmm. place on that play because the Reds very clearly had no idea what was going on (laughs) on that play and guys this reminded me of the Cardinals of yesteryear you remember the final season of Mike Matheny Where it was like, yeah, we're going to try Matt Adams in the outfield. We're going to have second basemen that are playing third base. We're going to try Colton Wong in center field. I remember back to when I was doing the show with Kevin Wheeler, we had Buster Olney on Alex. And he described it as the island of misfit toys here in St. Louis. And I went back and I found the audio from when he was on with us. Damn, you went by like seven years to
5: find audio. Indeed. And so I found this audio. You're not even alive yet, Tanner.
0: Because. That's a bit far. I think the Reds are going through an identity crisis very similar to what the Cardinals had. This was probably four or five years ago now. Here's what Buster only said at the time.
4: Feels like for the first time in years. They sort of cleaned up the
6: Island and Misfit toys part of their,
4: lo- their roster. Like,
6: whenever you see the, the, the Cardinals, it was, well, you had a you know, middle infielder who wasn't really a shortstop, but, uh, you know, we'll play him there. We'll try to make it work. Or, you know, the outfielder, Randall Gritchick, they didn't know exactly what they
4: had. They didn't know what they had as some of these other guys. I like the fact that this year we know Marcel Zun is a left fielder. <laughs> yeah. And he's a really good player. And Tommy Pham is a center fielder. Their outfield defense should be better.
0: That's what it sounded like about the Cardinals. I could have said the exact same thing about the Reds yesterday. They're using a guy that should be at third at short. Their outfield, not great defensively, boys. Their base running, horrible. All of the things that were plaguing the Cardinals for years because they sold out to try to get offense. The Cardinals have adjusted from that. The Reds are going to eventually have to do the same thing because as much as baseball has changed – it ends up being about the same things over 162. Can you pitch? Can you play defense? Can you be consistent offensively? The Reds are none of those things, and we saw that on full display yesterday.
5: Yeah, that's why the Dodgers finally got over that hump that they've never been able to get over because of defense. I mean, look at what Mookie Betts meant to that game where they clinched the World Series this past year. The Houston Astros, as much as we joke about them being cheaters, and they are, huh. their defense has been phenomenal for, the, for years with Carlos Correa and Jose Altuve, and then with um, Bregman at third base. Completely forgot who it was for a minute. It comes down to defense always. Like defense wins championships. It's the cliche saying. Now, what sucks for the Cincinnati Reds is the fact that they decided not to pay the shortstop that they had because it, honestly, if Freddie Galvis was on this team, they'd be better. If that error in the first inning yesterday doesn't happen by Suarez, the one where Yadi got our two score two runs. Yep we're talking about a different ball game. I mean, honestly, we might be talking about a Cardinals loss right now. So Suarez committed two errors in the first two innings
0: and then had another non-play that prolonged an inning as well. His error in the first became an RBI for Yadier Molina. It set the bases for Carlson's three run homer. Then in the second he threw over to first, it ended up going past Joey Votto. It allowed Paul Goldschmidt to reach second on his infield single that put the run in scoring position for Arenado's single up the middle RBI. It's five runs. His errors directly led to five runs. Hey, yep. Alex, what was the final score of that game yesterday? I
5: believe it was 11-7. to 11-6. 11-6. to, 6. 11 to 6. Five runs. Gave that one extra run because I felt bad for him.
0: That was the difference in the game. And 65780 is the Air Comfort Service text line from the 618. So the Reds are in a crisis after one game from the 314. You guys are really coming to all these conclusions after one game. Love St. Louis Radio. No. doesn't
5: matter if it's one game. We all saw Suarez at shortstop, one game or not, that did not look comfortable. And also,
0: this was the fear. It's the fears being realized. That's what happens in early in a baseball season. Like, it's your priors, right? Matt Carpenter came into the game yesterday. What everybody expects because of the fears coming into the season. Everybody expected it I to expected look bad. I expected a home
5: run. It looked
0: bad for Matt Carpenter going into that game. The fear with Hennessy Cabrera coming into yesterday was, does he have his command? Does he have his command? Does he have his command? Didn't have his command. That's the fear that becomes realized. And if you're a Reds fan today, the fear that you had coming into the year was this is going to be a absolute disaster defensively. And it was absolutely a disaster. And then some in the first game of the year. And so moving forward, if I'm a Reds fan, I'm sitting here like, well, how is this getting fixed? And there is no answer because they don't have a shortstop. Yeah. And when you don't have a shortstop defensively, it changes everything. The Cardinals lived that life for a while. It's frustrating. And your defense suffers exponentially as a result. And now the Cardinals are on the opposite end of things. And we see how much cleaner the game can be when you have guys that make sense at certain position. The Reds have third baseman playing everywhere. And they've got guys that should be six hole hitters and two hole hitters playing elsewhere that they shouldn't be in. The Cardinals lived that life. Now the Reds are living
5: it. It stinks too, because from my understanding, the Reds have a stud shortstop in their, in their minor league system. And as a prospect, he's just wasn't ready to go this season. They said from spring training, I think if you get that back, then you're looking at, you can put Suarez back at third base. You can honestly, I don't know where Mustakas plays because Jonathan India looked pretty good yesterday. Yeah. The problem is the outfield, especially now that Nick Senzel went down because he's their best defensive outfielder and without him, you're really plugging holes. They've come a long way from the team that had Billy Hamilton in center field and right like Adam Duvall and left that Joey Votto in his prime. That was the team that should have been able to get it done. And it really feels like Cincinnati kind of like what the Cardinals were doing. were trying to grasp at straws of like, Hey, we can do this still and you're bringing in free agent after free agent after free agent and hoping that fix it. Colorado was the other team, right? Like they spent a ton of money on Ian Desmond, thinking that that was yeah. going to get him over the hump. Their defense was still phenomenal, but when you're trying to get offense, offense at and some And Desmond po- was a disaster defensively. Yes, he and, was a disaster. And at some point your offense falls off a cliff and you don't have it and you can't find it. And I think that's what the Reds are going to deal with this season. So some of our texters
0: think we're overreacting to opening day. We are apparently not alone on that. Because yesterday, Alex, there was a video that came out of Cleveland that made me smile because it felt made you smile made me cry from laughing. It felt like the perfect indicator of where <laughs> we are on opening day for certain fans. I love post game call in shows. They're my favorite thing in the world. And yesterday in Cleveland, they had an all time moment
3: pitches down the middle he won't swing at But the balls down around his ankles, he hits the shortstop into a double play this has been going on for two years right, uh, I guess you missed a lot of the games that Reyes hit in the clutch last year, huh? no 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 oh yeah 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 you're an no, idiot no. you're an idiot and you
4: don't know baseball I'm you're not gonna, idiot. No, you are an idiot listen no you're nerds. gonna tell me I'm you nerds. are judging you don't know anything you don't know squat Come you on. stupid Come idiot on, you're man. gonna tell me you're gonna make a judgment on the season after one game <laughs> in thirty degree weather that here. proves what an ignoramus oh, you are here.
5: get off our show Fair weather idiot! Break. I'm amazed he, he let him on the show as long as he did. Like, like he kept him on, just kept talking over him the entire time and finally said, get off my show. I just love how many times he called him an idiot. It
0: wasn't good enough for the one time. You're an idiot. You're in it. He just kept going over and over. By the way, that was Bruce Dritten on Bally Sports in Ohio. I will... I will forever have a special place in my heart for call-in shows. That's an all-timer after opening
5: day. I, I can't tell you how many times because of course doing pre and post for the Cardinals and Blues, we we've had call-in shows. And I'd like to bring them back at some point, but I can't tell you how many times I've wanted to do that. But I can never be I can never bring myself to calling another person an idiot because they're listening, right? And it's always so tough, but when you hear somebody else do it, it is freaking hilarious. Right? When it's not you, it is hilarious. What would it take for you to get to
0: that place? Like, you you host pre and post for the boys' games. If you had a call, like, is there any way for me, if I was a caller, even if I was, say, I was impersonating somebody the way that we heard yesterday on the fast lane, somebody impersonating, Uh, if I was doing that and I was just trying to get a rise out of Alex Ferrario, is there any way I get you to that place?
5: Yeah. Someone actually almost had me to that place this season. And and honestly, if we would have done a call in show, I probably would have had that outburst. It's when people started saying fire Craig Berube. Okay. Like, like when you go to that extreme, that's when it's like, okay, come on guys. Like we can't be this stupid to think that you have to fire the head coach after that. That seems like, like that man has been bottling that up for like the last five years and finally game one. He said, I'm about to let this explode. It would take, it would take a lot though to get to that point for me. I don't think I can get there. I don't think I have it in me. It's just too hard to call somebody an idiot. Like, I can't do that, you know? Somebody on the text
0: line said, that is literally BK in 23 years. I hope not. God, if I ever reach that level, if I reach that point, if I care that much, that deeply, if I'm that emotionally invested, something has gone horribly, horribly wrong for me. That's true. That's really true. But, man, that also, I'm so glad I have people like that in our lives because I want that to exist. I just can't do it. It's pure humor. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. 65780 is the Air Comfort Service Tax Line. Your Redbird Preview Week is brought to you by Cardinals, Buick, GMC, and Cardinal Ford. Let's play a game of bet it or forget it coming up next. If you've got something for a bet it or forget it, send it in on the tax line. We'll get to them next on 101 ESPN. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
4: yeah, 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 yeah. You're an no, idiot. No. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario.
0: 780 is the air comfort service text line for bet it or forget it. Coming up here in just about ten minutes or so. Are you a believer that the Blues are actually going to turn this thing around despite the schedule? We'll get into that coming up in about ten minutes or so. But right now, let's stick with the Blues, guys. It was just announced by the team that Ivan Barbashev has officially been activated for tonight's game, Blues versus Avalanche tonight. Pre-game coverage with Alex Ferrario on 101 ESPN coming up at seven o'clock, guys. Better to forget it. Ivan Barbashev was the missing piece for the Blues, and now they're going to go on a little bit of a run. Alex, this is the part where you oh respond my God, again? to the question. I, I guy over needs there. to
5: think over here. He
1: smokes in the building. You nap while we're on air. What's going on, boys?
0: <laughs> God Tanner, damn. you got to specify here. We're yeah. in Missouri, not your hometown in, Il- in yeah, Illinois. No smoking in
5: the building. Certain things are illegal in this uh, side of the state. I don't get it. Metaphor. Okay. <laughs> I'll say bet it, because I do think he's going to be impactful for this team. It depends on what we're going with. A little bit of a run. Like, do you think this team's going to go on a five-game win streak? Game win streak? You don't think this team has a five-game win streak in them? It's
1: not like their schedule's yeah.
5: (laughs) No, not with this schedule, man. I think they. I think they have themselves winning three of four. I see themselves winning four of six, but I don't know if I see him winning a five-game win streak, but I do think Barbershop is going to be impactful because he's an energy guy. He's another one that you can plug in, and it gives Craig Berube depth late in games. Schedule's brutal. <laughs> God, I know it is.
1: I'm going to say no. I hope he does, but at this point, I don't know. And then you're adding another piece. You're going to have to kind of move things around again. I'm going to say no. I think he will have an impact, but will it be an impact where they go on a, a run? I'm going to say no.
0: Guys, optimism doesn't cost you a damn thing. It's free. Free. free of charge. you damn right. free. Yeah. That optimism glass is half is free. full, T-Bone. My, uh, and half empty. My bottle of water is, is half full right now. Not half empty. Come on. So I always see the empty part. I I'm going to go with uh, I'm betting it. There Ivan you go. Barbashev was the missing piece. I can't be the guy that stands up here every day and says, hey, the problem for the blues is that they don't have that puck retriever, that four checker on that third line and then Ivan Barbashev comes back to potentially be that guy. I can't then say, yeah, this is not the piece that's missing. I think he is potentially the piece that was missing for the
5: team. I think he's one of the pieces. Yeah. I, I think the bigger piece is Colton Pareko. When he comes back, That you asked me that same question when Pareko comes back, it's a definitive yes. I don't even need to think about it. As long as he's actually healthy. If he's just coming back at I don't like think he comes back unless he's actually healthy. I think fair. the Blues shut him down if he's not healthy.
0: 65780 is the air comfort service tax line for bet it or forget it. Guys, bet it or forget it. Dylan Carlson and Tyler. O'Neill combined this season to hit at least 50 home runs. 50 home runs for Carlson and O'Neill combined.
1: Speaking of home runs, real quick, uh, Ferrari you owe me five dollars from. Oh, I uh, don't know.
5: I do. I forgot about that. Yeah, go get yourself a nice hot dog on the way home. Chili dog.
1: Uh, Yikes. And you said, so 50 homers Carlson O'Neill combined. combined. Come on, Taylor. answer each. the question. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking out loud. At least I'm gonna <laughs> say uh, no. No, wait. Yes, I'm going to bet it. Oh I'm going to bet it. I think Carlson's going to get to about 20. I think O'Neill could get around 27 to 30. So I'm going to take the quote-unquote optimistic side. And my, I like I it. have half water.
5: I was going to say 20 and 27 is 47, Tanner.
1: Okay, fine. 23 from Carlson. I'll say bet it. I think they'll get to 50 combined.
5: I'm going to forget it because I think you're going to see a dry spell at some point for one of those guys. 20. I say 20 for Carlson. And 25 for tyler o'neill so i would take the under only by a little i'm gonna stick on my optimistic
0: theme for the day i think tyler o'neill's in for a big year after seeing him throughout the spring i i was the guy that thought they should go with lane thomas over tyler o'neill going into the spring his spring changed my mind on that as did lane thomas's obviously um but the way that he has started the season is really really encouraging he looks like a different player now We've seen this before. He gets really hot. And then a week later, he looks like the guy that we have seen for the majority of his big league career. I think this time's different. And so I'm going to go ahead and bet it. I think O'Neal and Carlson combined for 30 homer or 50 homers, because I think O'Neal could get 35 this year. Like that's that's within his reach. That doesn't mean he's going to be an all star. But we have said before, we think that the comparison for him could be Joey Gallo. It's, it's not crazy right yep. now. It feels like that's probably the hope for him. So I'm going to go ahead and take uh, the optimistic side once again and say I will throw one for sure. Goldschmidt and Arenado. Okay. Okay.
5: Um, Do you think Yachty gets one for the potentially being his last season? I think he'll get voted in by the fans. Yeah. yeah, I can see that one. And honestly. Ray is my as a bullpen piece. See, I was thinking about that, but so many teams like you're going to get a lot of starters. You get a lot, a lot of starters of that become bullpen guys. And yeah, you get like the Kenley Jansen closers and things like that. It'd be tough for Reyes unless he's just lights out. I, I think, honestly, I think Dylan Carlson gets an all-star appearance this wow. year. Wow, it's loaded in the outfield tough in the National but League. But I think if he continues to hit the way we expect him to, I can see him being one of those guys that's the bench bat, but gets that first all-star appearance. So I'll say bet it that four get in.
1: I'm going to forget it. And it's not because I'm not optimistic about it. I think it's just really hard to get four all-stars because let's not forget everybody has to have an all-star, including our favorite AAA team, the Pittsburgh huh. Pirates. They're uh, going to get, key, key Brian Hayes probably going to be their all-star this yeah. year. He's going to be a deserving all-star?
0: Maybe. There, there's oh, a difference there. He had
5: a bomb in his first at bat. Yeah, he's going to be deserving. He might be, honestly. Okay,
1: that's, a, that's fair, but... I'm going to say, forget it. I can definitely see Arnado Goldie getting voted in along with Yachty. I just don't know who the fourth would be. I don't know if Flaherty's going to be an all-star. Wayno not going to be an all-star, I don't think. Edmund was my bold prediction to be an all-star. Don't know if that'll happen. The outfield is loaded, as you said. The good news, though, is
5: second base. Second base really isn't that loaded. you got a couple of players who could get it. The Albies will get in for sure. Gavin Lux is going to be one to keep an eye on. I know, um, uh, what's his face from San Diego, the the rookie of the year last year for him. His name is... I'm
1: thinking of the Japanese guy that they signed.
5: No. But- God, it was, it's a long
0: last name. Cronenworth? Yeah. I, I'm going to go ahead and bet it because I think one of the pitchers... Has the potential to do it. Whether it be Wayno on his way out, maybe there's a little bit of sentimental value there. Flaherty, I've said all along, I think is going to be really good. He's got a chance. And Reyes, if he is the guy that we think he could be, I think any one of those guys, if they get in, added to Yachty, Goldie, and Arenado, that's how you get to your four. Yeah. So I'll go ahead and bet it that they have four All Stars this year. Now, more than that, I think, is going to be really tough, but right. I think they can get to four.
1: I really thought you were about to say Carlos Martinez, and I was about yeah, to throw no.
0: him <laughs> uh, 65780 oh is the <laughs> air comfort service text line for bet it or forget it one more here Bet It or forget it the NL Central will have zero teams reach at least 90 game 90 wins this year zero teams win at least 90 games in this division in 2021
5: I'm gonna forget that I think the Cardinals can get 90 wins especially I, I mean look the NL Central plays the AL Central which isn't the powerhouse in the American League right now and, and after watching the Cubs That seems like it's not going to be as tough of a task. And I get it. It's one game into the season. It seems like the Cardinals are going to be the obvious favorite when those teams match up. So I'm going to bet it. I think the Cardinals get to 90. Honestly, the Brewers could as well, but I'm going to go with Cardinals.
1: I'm gonna bet it too. I think it's gonna take about 90, 91 to win the division, so I'm gonna say bet it. It's gonna be the Cardinals or the Brewers, probably.
5: Yeah, 90 to 92 games is typically what it is in this
0: division, and at least when the Cubs aren't at their peak, that was a little different those years. But I'm gonna go ahead and say I forget it as well. I think the NL Central, you're gonna need at least 90 wins to win this division, and I think the Cardinals are gonna be the team that gets there from the 3-1-4. Holy cow, guys! O'Neill with 35 homers, Carlson making the All Star team. Go ahead and print the world's if all of this comes to to fruition. I'm I'm fine with that. Guys, this is why we're optimistic about the team coming into the year. That's why Arenado
5: was such a big deal too.
0: Because it changes the way that you look at some of the guys that we're talking about, right? You don't need O'Neal and Carlson and whoever's playing in right field on any given day to hit. You don't need all of that to happen at once. It can be Goldie Arenado or your Constance. Young is pretty darn good as your kind of tertiary piece there. And then you get a month of Dylan Carlson being really good and a month of Tyler O'Neill being on fire. Well, now you've got consistently everyday four guys in your lineup that you feel really, really good about. That's what makes it different about this year's club than years past. Years past, you had one, maybe two. Mm-hmm. Now you potentially have up to four on a day-in, day-out basis. And that's where I start to feel a lot better about where the Cardinals are. Yeah, I agree. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. So we're a believer in the Cardinals... Are we a believer in the blues turning this thing around? I know Joey Vitale told us yesterday he was. Is Alex? We'll talk about it next on 101 ESPN. This
4: is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario.
0: Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. As you heard there in the update, blues back in action tonight. Blues versus Avalanche in Colorado. They're on the road. Maybe this is when they get things going again. That's been where the success has been had all season long. Pregame with Alex coming up at 7 o'clock on your Voice of the Blues 101 ESPN. All right, so the stretch run is about to begin. And it ain't gonna be easy, Alex. It starts with Colorado who's 10-2 in their last 12 games. In those 12 games, they have outscored their opponents by a combined score of 58 to 19. The Blues will play 17 of their last 21 games against Colorado, Vegas, and Minnesota. This schedule is not easy, but Joey Vitale told us yesterday. He thinks that this is where the blues play their best. They are at their best against the best opponents. Do you think that it starts tonight? Are we going to see the blues after a little bit of time off play their best game?
5: I think so. Um, First of all, According to a couple of people who cover the avalanche, it's uh, Jonas Johansson who is playing in goal tonight. Oh, yeah, old Yoni. Yeah, Yoni. He's uh, got a career 14 games played in the National Hockey League. So that screams Blues offense, right? That was sarcasm. It doesn't. Look, this, uh, uh, this isn't going to be easy, but I agree with Joe, and we talked about it on This Week in Hockey, that The Blues' best path to a playoffs are against teams that bring them into the fight. And that's what Colorado, Minnesota, and Vegas do. Go back and look at the games that they've played against these guys. Yes, there have been ugly games, that first, second one against Colorado, and those two against Vegas. But if you look deeper into those games, that Colorado one was even after the first period. I would, let's just pretend, let's put that one off to the side. I'm going to pull my stat book out while I'm saying this.
0: It was 0-0 after the first period. After the first period,
5: and then they ran away with it. But look, the the first one where they were swept by the Vegas Golden Knights, that was a one-goal game going into the third period. It was a one-goal game going into the third period against Vegas Golden Knights in the second game. Mm -hmm. These games against these teams, they're close, but the Blues just blow it late. If they can find a way to fix those issues, which Craig Ruby has talked about. Tori Krug has talked about. These guys have discussed. That's where I think it's going to benefit them to have these four days off. They had two days away from the rink. They practiced yesterday. They're practicing today. They're going at it tonight against Colorado. Minnesota, Colorado, and Vegas make the Blues a better team and a better opponent because they bring them into the fight. And I think that's where the Blues become their best. Getting Barbashev back is very beneficial for this team. I think the schedule allows the blues to get into the playoffs. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be easy, but yes, I do think you're, we're going to see a different team from now until the end of the season than what we've seen in the beginning of the season. So Craig Ruby just talked with the media a little bit ago, and I want to pass
0: along this quote that he had. He said, the bottom line is we're getting healthy. Now we don't have everybody back, but we have a number of our guys back. We have an opportunity to turn things around here. And it starts in Colorado. Just look at the last game. Uh, just look at the one game and go all out of the line and put it up against Colorado. To me, they're a really good team, obviously. We know that, but we've gone into Colorado a number of times and defeated them, so there's no reason why we can't do it again. The Blues have the right outlook on this. They, they know what's ahead of them. They know that the task is going to be tall to be able to get into the postseason. But there are no more excuses at this point. I know what you're without Colton Pareco, and that hurts. I know that you're without... Uh, Oscar Sunquist, that stinks Carl Gunnarsson that's a bummer That's it though You're now down to three guys that are on the IR There are teams scattered across the league That have a worse injury situation Now than the Blues do there was once upon a time where it looked like the Blues were going out there with a the JV lineup. It's
5: not that way anymore. Did you see Vegas last night? Vegas had to play with 16 players because their two guys were injured and they couldn't get somebody called back up.
0: Your third line has the potential tonight to basically be what you expected it to be going into the season. Hell, your fourth line is going to be probably the best version of close what that to fourth it. line was going to be this year. So I don't want to hear any more excuses. It's not about the injuries. It's not about the opponents playing a weird pond hockey style. We can't have any more of that. Well, we just got a bad puck bounce. No, now it is about you going out there and playing your game again, finding your blues hockey at this point in the season. I'm done with the excuses. I'm done with the road trips out to California. That's over. Now it is about finding their game. And if they're going to do it, it has to happen against the best teams in the league because they didn't. Take care of business
5: against the lesser teams across the league. Man, you sound like my dad there. Way to go, man. That was like dad talk.
0: I'm done. Done with the excuses. It's it. This team's too good yep. to have so many excuses put out there for him, and most of them were valid. They were. They, it was explanations as much as excuses, but now it becomes excuses. Mm-hmm. If you don't find your game while all of these dudes are on the ice, well, then it's an excuse now, and it stops being an explanation. And,
5: and frankly, it stopped being it stopped being an excuse a few weeks ago. I mean, honestly, as soon as they got Tarasenko and Schwartz back, that's when it stopped being an excuse, in my opinion. Thomas has been a great return for this team. Yes, losing Sunquist was tough. Those are the two guys that I'm like, okay, I'm done with the excuses now. Because there's no reason why you shouldn't be scoring goals. There's no reason that two of your top-paid defensemen are turning the puck over and it's turning into goals against. There's no reason that your goaltender is struggling a lot this season. So... Getting Pareko back will be awesome. Barbership back, it it benefits his team. But the excuses have been done. As soon as you enter the month of April, the guys used to talk about it all the time when we were allowed to be in the locker room that... In a normal season, January, February, they suck because there's nothing to play for. Yes, you want to get into the postseason, but it's boring hockey. You can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's it's just it feels like it's going on forever. It's cold out. Now, if you look at this season where it's been jumbled together in a matter of three months, February and March have kind of been January and February of a normal season. I'm not using that as an excuse, but I do think that that takes an effect sure. on guys. Now with things getting warmer, things getting loosened up, now with the postseason in their hairline, hairline, is that what it's called? Sightline. Sightline, hair targets. You know where I'm going with this. I'm not a hunter, as you can tell. That's where I feel like it opens things I'm up. I'm the hunter on the show, yeah, naturally. That's, that's <laughs> scary. Everybody agrees that, with he that, is that, the hunter. that was, uh That's scary. That's where things open up, truly, though, because you can smell the playoffs at that time. I think that's what brings them out brings this team out of their best and frankly when you're taking on teams like colorado where they're going to get into fights and extracurriculars the same with vegas the same with I've minnesota McKenna the other night he threw his helmet at connor garland and honestly i loved every second it of made it made me like him more yeah
0: i didn't like it because i was like wait no no no, no. i'm supposed to hate yeah. you i don't like you no. at all because you're really good and you make my team look bad i don't want to like you but i like you because of this it's
5: fantastic so but look that's what's going to bring the best out of this blues team it's just a matter of them tightening up their own problems and fixing the goaltender situation those two things get fixed and i think we're looking at a team that can make a push for the second or third spot in the division we
0: did this with the cardinals coming into the year let's go around the room real quick the most pivotal blues player down the stretch is who because we know braden shin has to be good ryan o'reilly has to be good your best players have to play that way but for you guys who is the most pivotal player where if they reach their peak this team's going to go on an upward trajectory and if they don't then things could go south. Who's that guy for you, where things pivot based on their performance?
1: I kind of want to say Mike Hoffman. I, I think if Hoffman doesn't step it up, I think and, it's interesting. I, I think if Hoffman doesn't step it up and become that elite goal scorer that you signed him for, then you're, we're going to see the offense. I don't want to say struggle, but I think it'll certainly add to the depth of that five on five play, and also with the power play too, because he's going to be on the power play. He's supposed to be one of those snipers for the power play. I am going to say Mike Hoffman, and another name I throw out there too for the defensive side might be Torrey Krug. I want yeah. to see
5: more out of Tory Krug. It, it, Tory Krug is a, a big one. For me, it's it's Jordan Bennington. And I loved this. Earlier today, this was kind of like the signs of things to come. So last or two years ago this month, Jordan Bennington was named the player of the the rookie player of the month. And I went through and looked at this. He had a total of six victories. He had two games where he allowed three or more goals. That's the Jordan Bennington you need. April of 2019. That's the guy that you need for the rest of this stretch. If you have a goaltender who's allowing two goals a game, maybe three goals a game, you're going to win a lot of hockey games. So Jordan Bennington is the only player that I think is the one that people should be talking about right now. Jordan or uh, Robert Thomas, rather Robert Thomas is my guy that is the pivotal player for the blues
0: because the blues top two lines have actually been pretty good for the most part mm-hmm. over the, even over the, the stretch where they were hurt. The, the top two lines were pretty good. The problem has been that third line. There has been zero consistency there. It's guys in and out of the lineup. Well, now you have your main guys still back down on that third line. But Robert Thomas has not looked like himself since returning, really. He's had moments. He's had flashes. Mm-hmm. I uh, Like two games in when he was on the power play, I thought he had a couple of really, really nice passes into the crease. But we need to see more of that. And I also still want to see him shoot a little bit more often. You guys remember early on, first game of the season? It looked like a a, a human highlight reel that first game where he had two passes that were still two of the best plays that I've seen by a blues player make all season long in that first game of the year.
5: Yeah, And the game that he got injured in was another one where he looked like a different player.
0: You're back playing against Colorado. Let's see that version of Robert Thomas. Once again, he was supposed to be the guy that took that step forward this year. We haven't seen it yet. Some of that's because of injury. I need to see him. He's probably my most pivotal player for the blues down the stretch. Getting
5: a ton of texts that say crosshairs. And then this one uh, boys leave the hunting references to Tanner.
0: I'm not a hunter, so sorry. <laughs> that actually surprises me. With well, Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Dogs. Let's dive into the junk shore coming up next. This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. junk drawer here on 101 ESPN. All right, guys. So I saw a story on the news yesterday that I was like, okay, uh uh-uh, uh, that we've talked about this in the past. If a bear walks into my house, that's the bear's house now, I'm going to have to move. If 15,000 bees overtake my car while I go into a department store. That's the bees car now. I guess I'm going to have to buy a new one.
5: No, that's simple. That's simple. I got chemicals for that, man. You just got to spray it in your car and those bees are done for. So Honestly, you could have a nice honey hive. Well, there was a gentleman in New Mexico
0: that this happened to. He goes into the department store, he comes back out, sits down in his car, has his groceries that he's uh, putting next to him, right? He gets ready to take off and he looks back to be able to check both ways as he's getting ready to exit the parking lot. And realizes there are 15,000 bees in a beehive that has been created on the top of his, um, his passenger side window in the back seat. So there are bees that are just buzzing around. I don't know how he didn't realize them when he sat down in his car. But he realizes it immediately, gets out of the car, calls the fire department, is like, "Hey, y'all got to do something about this because I've got a problem." And the fire department? What's the fire department gonna do?
5: Come and spray it with their
0: hose? Good news, one of the men that worked at the fire department in this area was actually a beekeeper as well. That's just a lucky break. Okay, that
5: man needed to leave that place and go buy a lottery ticket because that doesn't happen.
0: So the guy's name, the fireman, his name is Jesse Johnson a beekeeper on his spare time so he ended up coming on out there stung a couple of times but he said it was a-okay he's dealt with that in the past and he came to the rescue took him a couple hours got rid of the bees took the hive to his apparently beekeeping place at his house mm-hmm. got 15,000 bees out of it for himself yep and the guy's car apparently was okay I would be
5: unwilling to drive this ever again ever again again. never again you could clean it out i mean it's not that hard absolutely not honestly though like i've i've had to do bee jobs in the past because if you don't know i've done pest control i know not to brag or anything jobs are tough bees job bee jobs are very tough because you gotta get them out of the ground okay stop sidetracking me here no so i i've had to go to houses and like
0: what's the worst part about a bee job
5: the fact that they swarm you as soon as you like because what, what we use is this, this is like antifreeze chemical that you spray on the hive. Jeez. I know and it, it, it oh, essentially of- I know Pete is probably going to come after me on this one essentially freezes Bro, that beehive and it kills it off. But as soon as you do, they all come swarming out of the hive. You're not killing them. You're killing the hive so they have nowhere else to go. They freaking attack. And let me tell you something. If, if you've been a customer of, of the company that I worked for in the past, you've probably gotten some great humor out of watching out of your back window when I spray a beehive and then start running the opposite direction to try and keep them off of you. So when they call you, do they say specifically, hey, I've got a bee job for yeah, you I that I need bee, you to take care of? I have a bee or I have a wasp. Nest that we need you to take care. Of. Why do you keep looking to the side? Is this some type of ongoing joke? No, I was just checking. Oh, okay. Don't call me if you have a bee problem.
0: Alex is not your guy for a bee
5: job. Yeah, I mean, I'm afraid of him. Too, okay. By the way, what do you have for us today in the junk drawer? You know drawer, what? I'm man. gonna move it. T Bone's had like four in the past day or so, and he keeps goes hey "I got four junk drawers." I, like, I feel like he just sits at home and tries to find junk drawers while he's eating hot dogs. So, you don't, T Bone, go for it.
1: Uh, did you guys ride the school bus when you went to school?
5: I did, yeah. Okay. Did you, Ferrario? Damn it! I just realized I said a b job. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Tanner. So I found this last night when
1: I was scrolling through the internet, eating my dinner, which was hot dogs and brats. And uh, I found <laughs> Do have this have a glass video. You milk
0: with that. <laughs> Warm. <laughs> Room temperature.
1: <Ugh>. But <laughs> I, I found this video. So apparently, the school bus driver was driving the kids, I think he's driving them home if I'm not mistaken here, and there's a kid sleeping on the school bus, that's the smartest decision you can do on the school bus probably. Front
0: seat, from what I recall.
1: Yes, front seat, and a deer just leaps at the school bus that is going full speed, (laughs) crashes through the front windshield, lands on this poor kid that's sleeping, and then kind of like runs around while the bus is trying to stop inside. Alex, I don't know if you've seen this video. (laughs) I did, he sent it to
0: us last night. It's the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen before. I'm impressed by the deer. I was impressed by the kid and the driver. So this deer literally busts through yep. the glass, ends up right next to this kid in the front seat of the of the bus. The kid's just sitting there as if he's seen this a million times because we've all been there, right? When the deer jumps into your bus and ends up sitting next to you in the seat with you on the bus. We've
5: all been there? Yeah, we've all been there. No, we haven't all been
0: there. The best part, though, was I don't know how, but the deer seems to be fine ends up getting out of the seat and walking towards the door and the bus driver just opens (laughs) up the door the the deer keeps going that's the best part the 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 guy keeps going too
1: it runs
0: (laughs) the guy closes the door and they just keep on going he like looked back twice to make sure that
5: the deer was okay the deer or the kid no, you're not worried about the kid I, I feel like that's yes. important as a bus driver No, you're not worried about the kid I've been on buses before from school They don't worry about the kids They just want to make sure that they get to the destination No problems and they can go home I've had that happen before too On a road trip in college for basketball We had a turkey hit the you front college window college basketball? No, I was broadcasting for him okay. Come on now, you <laughs> know better I was say, damn, I was You unaware. know better than that <laughs> Told you I was more athletic Turkey hit the front window I was impressed because it shattered both glasses This bus driver didn't even veer Dude just what kept. He just kept driving and just slowly merged to the side of the road and just stopped the bus. How the hell do you do that if you're a bus driver? I don't know, man. You a, know, A I, cicada I incapable. gets in my car, and I'm steering off the side of the road. I just told you, the bee overtakes my car, and it's yeah. the bee's car. Like. BK gets a deer in his bus, and he just stops it and gets out and says, why
0: don't you find your way home? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would tell the, the fourth grader, hey, I think you've got it from here, right? Yeah. I, this is enough that for me. That pedal
5: goes, that pedal stops, this opens the door, you got this. Deer job is always better than a bee job, in my opinion.
1: Gonna have to disagree with you on that
0: one. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Coming up next, we already saw the impact that the Cardinals were looking for. We'll tell you about it next on 101 ESPN. This is the BK and
4: Ferrario Podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario.
3: You know, when people talk about like how's your club
5: gonna be better offensively, or what's gonna be the, the difference between 2020 and 2021 and i think it's really the emergence of of some of these younger players that's really the bet we're making is that you know from o'neill to dylan carlson to justin williams you're going to see some impact from an offensive standpoint
0: we saw that yesterday. That was John Mozeliak before the game talking about the bet that the Cardinals are making with this young outfielder. And it looked really good in game. Number one, Tyler O'Neill with a home run in the fourth inning, Dylan Carlson with a home run in the first inning ends up with both of them having a really nice day. You also had Justin Williams who didn't look great at the plate, but if you look at what he did in the outfield, had a pretty nice day as well. Defensively guys If you can get something resembling what we saw yesterday, you're not going to get home run every game. But if you can have those outfielders be productive, if I told you today, Tyler O'Neill ends up with 800 OPS on the season and Dylan Carlson makes good on what we thought he was going to be. How much does that change what your belief is, what your expectations are for
5: the offense in 2021? I think it changes a lot because... It creates more damage in your lineup, right? Like it, 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 it goes deeper than just Goldschmidt and Arenado. Because I think right now you view this and you're saying, okay, well, you have these two, and then everyone else, you're just hoping that they perform. But if you look at the Dodgers lineup, it, it's Mookie Betts, it's Justin Turner, it's Cody Bellinger, but it doesn't stop there. It of course, keeps Diger. building. The Padres, Tatis Jr., Machado, those are the one-two punch. But you just have Hosmer, who hits two bombs the other night. Will Myers. You have to have the depth and the fear factor that goes from top to bottom. Again, if you have a weak spot here and there, I think it's fine, but you have to have a pitcher having to come up with, okay, how do I approach this? How do I approach this? How do I approach this? Rather than just a a pitcher who's on the mound and says, okay, I got to get through these two. Then it's smooth sailing. I think it changes a lot if Tyler O'Neill is at that 800 mark, like you talked about, or if that's the same thing with Paul DeYounger or Dylan Carlson.
1: I don't know if I would say it It does change a lot because it stretches out the lineup and i I wonder like what a good comparison would be because you have a lineup that basically becomes really solid two through what would you say, six? Yeah. Maybe seven. If you uh, move Yachty down,
5: yeah, I would say six seven.
1: Okay. So two through six seven is what your lineup becomes. And it's not it's not at the level of the Dodgers, but I think it becomes one of those where hey, you know what, we head into a postseason series against a team that has really good pitching, it doesn't become one of those games where it's like, all right, we gave up a run, there's no shot now. It becomes a game like, okay, we gave up a run, there's no doubt. We Our offense can rebound. You've got a puncher's chance yeah. suddenly. Yeah. And you can't exchange blows exactly just because you're not going to compete with that Dodgers offense all the time. But it gives you, like you said, BK, a puncher's chance because – Last year, we looked at, what was it? I don't remember what the final was in game three against the Padres, but Flaherty was solid through six innings, and you gave him no offensive support. Mm-hmm. You look at it this year, if you get that from O'Neill, you get that from the outfield and Carlson, you go, all right, Flaherty's that good. Us losing that game would be a disappointment. Last year, you give up a run,
5: you go, ball game. In the playoffs, it takes that one or two runs scored in the first inning, and that could be a, a game winner for you, honestly, because yep. it comes down to pitching, and, and there's just a different feel in the postseason. <laughs> You just you have to have that fear factor from top to bottom, in my opinion. I mean, the Atlanta Braves are another great example, and I think you could be better than the Atlanta Braves if these guys are clicking on all cylinders.
0: I think in today's game, you need six in the National League. I think you need six hitters that you feel really good about your pitcher spot. You're never going to feel good about. And maybe you have two other guys that are in there primarily for defense. Right. I, I think you can live with that. But you need six to feel like you have a chance at winning a title. And the Cardinals go into this season knowing they have two. There is no doubt about it. Goldie, Arenado, every game you feel really good about them giving you professional at bats. I think you feel pretty good about Paul DeYoung. We know what his deficiencies are. We also know what his power can be when he's right. And it's about him being a little bit more consistent. But we like Paul DeYoung. I think he's a, if he's your sixth best hitter, for example, mm-hmm. I really, really like what that lineup looks like. The question is can you add the other three? And you have three obvious candidates to get into those spots. It's Tommy Edmond, who's your leadoff hitter right now and looks solid yesterday, Carlson and O'Neal. So if this team, they made a bet on those three guys, a big bet, they removed from the equation Colton Wong because they felt good about Tommy Edmond. They removed from the equation Dexter Fowler because they felt really good about Carlson and either O'Neill or Thomas being able to make that next jump. If you can get to the sixth player in your lineup that you feel good about with this pitching staff, both the rotation and the bullpen, I start to look at them completely differently. Tanner, I thought you said it perfectly. You would go into a postseason game then in a matchup against the Padres, Braves, Dodgers. I don't care who it is. You would not be favored. You would not be there. The, the other teams are better than the Cardinals as currently constructed. constructed, but you give yourself a chance when you get to that sixth spot in the lineup and you feel good about it. If you only have two or three, that's where we were last year, and we saw how how big the gap was between the Cardinals and the best of the best in the National League.
1: And right now you look at the lineup and you say, okay, this team, or sorry, you look at this whole team and you go, they're probably in that second tier in the National League. Are they the best second tier in the National League? Maybe. If you get those guys in that lineup, you become the clear favorite in the second tiers in the National League, and like you said, you become a fighting chance in the playoffs. But also, not only that, you become a borderline first-tier team because of your bullpen and and your are starting if your starting pitching becomes what we thought it was heading into the season yeah. where you get a good healthy miles michael someone he becomes like your two carlos martinez returns back to form adam wainwright's fine with his age and you just have that fifth star spot which a question well, you don't need a fifth yeah. starter in the postseason so you become a borderline first-tier team if not a first-tier team i, I
5: wouldn't be as worried about a, a matchup with the dodgers or the padres if all of those things clicked because if if I have KK as my number two and then Miles Michaelis as my third starter in the rotation, I feel really good about having Adam Wainwright coming in relief if I need him to. And then you're putting Gant and Pons back into the bullpen. I'm okay... I'm not as concerned taking on a Dodgers or a Padres team in a best-of-five or a best-of-seven if those guys are clicking offensively than I would be if it's just Arenado and Goldschmidt.
0: So that's a lot about two of the outfielders, Carlson and Tyler O'Neal. It also was a solid game, I think you can say, about Justin Williams, including a hell of a
4: catch at the wall. And a fly ball out to right. Williams
2: back. And he makes the catch, crashes up against the wall. Terrific play in right, Justin Williams. Made a really good play defensively,
0: finished the day 0 for 4, but he did have four 4- uh, balls that he put in play one of them was 100 miles per hour is a fly out the expectant stats that i look at it had a 75 percent chance of being a hit and it just didn't drop for him so it, you liked what you saw more often than not from justin williams yesterday but like i said he did finish the day 0 for four and a, th- that's going to be what he's judged on right did you get the hits or not we did that with matt carpenter we're going to be fair we're also going to do it with justin williams what do you think the leash looks like for him like In game number two, is he starting for you again in the in, in right field? Do you go to Austin Dean? What is what is your ideal construction of what this first month of the season is going to look like for Williams, Nagowski, Dean? How do you construct this outfield early? I'm
5: month? going right back to Williams, and frankly, I'm going to continue to go to Williams unless he needs a day off, because I don't need to know what Austin Dean is. As much as we love the Nogfather, I know what he is. He's a depth player for us right now. Who can hit? Justin Williams is supposed to be one of these outfielders for you that can be an everyday player. And I loved his game. Honestly, defensively, I thought he was great, but offensively he was different than Bader in my opinion, because he drove the ball deep. Like he put power on it. That's what he's put into the lineup for. And if I get a guy who goes 0 for 4 in my eight hole, yeah, that sucks. But it's a difference of 0 for 4 with three strikeouts, 0 for 4, two grounded into double plays, or 0 for 4 with four hard hit balls. He didn't have any bases or runners-on at the time to run guys over, but I think that's where Justin Williams, so for me, I'm going right back to him.
1: And not only that, he didn't look overmatched yesterday. No. He didn't. He looked kind of, com- I don't know if comfortable is the right word, but he did look, I thought, like you said, Alex, I thought he looked good at the plate. He, he looked to like a major leader. Balls. Yeah, he did, and I, I think you give him, I'll say two weeks before you, before you kind of start to look at the leash there, I I think two weeks in the first two weeks, you'll have an idea. I'm really curious to see what they do when it comes to a left-handed pitcher. I
0: think
5: that's when you start to see other guys mixed in. Yeah,
1: I want to know if he can hit left-handed pitching. That's
0: what
5: I would too. I mean, are you an everyday guy or are you a platoon guy? That's what I want to know from him,
0: Thomas, and Bader. I think his best case scenario this year is a platoon guy. Because when Bader returns, the best case scenario for Justin Williams, based on what he does this month, is that he's in there against righties. I, th- I do not think you're going to see him against left-handed pitchers once Bader returns. So for now, I'm okay with finding out what Austin Dean or John Nagowski can do in those situations. So I that would be the one place where I, I almost with certainty would go with somebody else out there.
1: But see, I agree with Alex. I don't really need to know what Dean's going to be. Yeah, I is- need to know what Justin Williams is yeah. because he's one of those outfielders that... You know what? This is a make or break year for you. You're either in the future or we're going to go somewhere else Gene made next this season. team as
5: a bench player. The same with John Nagowski. Justin Williams made this team because Lane Thomas didn't perform to be an everyday outfielder and Harrison Bader was injured. So Justin Williams, guess what? You're my everyday right fielder.
0: The next two starters for the Reds are both righties, so we won't learn about this against them. We don't know the projected starters just yet for Miami. That would be the first time where we potentially see this come into play. But for the here and now, over the weekend, I'm with you guys. I think we see Justin Williams on Saturday and Sunday and I think that's the way that it should be because the biggest number for him zero zero strikeouts in that first game in terms of putting the ball in play he was four for four and that's what I need to see out of him because the big criticism so far in his career is really long swing gets to power but can he actually make the contact that he needs he made contact in that first game zero strikeouts if he can continue doing that I think eventually you're going to start to see some of those balls drop into play.
1: And the other reason I want to see Williams against left-handed pitching is because when Bader does return, maybe he is a platoon guy. But if Bader struggles against left-handed pitching, then I want to know if I have a guy in a Justin Williams that could go out there, be an everyday right fielder, push Carlson to center, and then he looks fine against a left-handed starter. We know Bader's not going to struggle against lefties. The uh, one thing
0: we, we, we know he's going to sure? do... Are we the, sure? The one thing we know he's going to do is he's going to hit lefties.
5: Are we sure are we he's sure going to hit lefties the field this season?
0: We are, and he's going to be good defensively. We know those two things about him. Just, just about like Alex we know Ferraro Matt Carpenter's going to get a hit. And Tanner and I'm Brandon Kiley. Coming up next, Sam LeCure is a... Reds pre and post game analyst he's going to join us to talk about what he saw from the Reds side of things yesterday he was a relief pitcher in his major league career what does he think of this Cardinals lineup how would he approach it we'll talk to Sam LaKeira about that coming up next on 101 ESPN
4: this is the BK and Ferrario podcast now here's BK and Ferrario
0: Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario on 101 ESPN. Opening day was a nice day for the Cardinals. Get a big win out in Cincinnati. And right now we're talking things over with Sam LeCure, former Reds reliever. Now is part of the Reds pre and post game show. Sam, thanks so much for joining us today, man. How you doing?
6: I'm doing good, guys. Thanks
0: for having me. Absolutely thrilled to have you. So, I, I let's start with just the atmosphere, right? Because uh, you guys were able to have opening day with some, at least, fans in the stand yet, stands yesterday. What was it like to finally have the fans back in the ballpark out in Cincinnati?
6: Man, it was it was something that kind of dawned on me a little bit last night as I was thinking about it. What's interesting, man, is I, I found that it is harder for me to leave the game behind as a broadcaster than it was when I was a player. I had a real good switch and I could go home and turn it off. But now I take the game home a little bit more with me and break down because I'm not so personally involved in it. But uh, so as I was going over and kind of breaking down the game and some different things, uh, you know, what happened, who did what, um, obviously just having the fans there is huge. You know, I think that you're, you're conscious of it when you're a player, uh, but now you're really conscious of it when when you went through a year without having him there um so to have them back in the stands was was outstanding but just what what stuck out to me was Jonathan India player for the Reds you know made his major league debut yesterday uh got a couple of hits hearing the fans you know really step up and and cheer him on like that really stuck out to me as something that you know, guys who made their debuts last year and got their first hits and their first strikeouts and all that stuff, they didn't have the general fan there that, that was going to stand up and make them feel like they did something extra special. So uh, just having you know, it was a sellout, dude. You know, I mean, <laughs> hey, it is what it is. What it, it was a sellout for what you could have, but uh, to have the fans back, you know, you know, obviously I'm listening to a lot of what the Reds players say more than more than the Cardinals guys. Uh, and last year, Joey Votto uh, who obviously Cardinal fans are well, very familiar with, you know, said that the fans are the lifeblood of the sport and, uh, nowhere is that more true than, uh, in St. Louis, Missouri. I grew up in Missouri. Uh, so I'm really familiar with that. Um, but great to have the fans back. Sorry for the long winded answer.
5: Oh, it's perfect. Sam. I'm curious though, as a former player, you have to enjoy the fact that you were in the booth when it was snowing in the middle <laughs> of a baseball game yesterday, yeah. right?
6: I was, no, I was not. They set set my ass up down the line uh, on the concourse. I'm out there in parking gear, man. I'm like, yeah, I can finish the pregame show and go do a quick couple runs on the snowboard if I want to. But uh, You know what, man? I-, I was not going to allow anything to kind of dampen my spirits as far as that went. I was so thankful to be back at the ballpark and, you know, see a lot of familiar faces, people I didn't get to see last year. You know, obviously, you know, playing there for several years, you know, some of the staff members, even though it was just from a distance, getting to see him being able to hear the crack of the bat, uh, you know, the pop of the mitt, just being out there. There was, there was nothing that was going to dampen my spirits, uh, not even the beating the Cardinals put on the, on the reds.
0: <laughs> a little bit of a two-part question here as a follow-up for you, Sam, was that the coldest opening day that you've been a part of? And as, as the okay. secondary part of this, like as a former pitcher yourself, we saw there were some command issues, not just from the starters, yeah. but from the staffs as a whole. Is, is that part of that?
6: Uh yeah that's part of it uh t- the first part of the question yes That is the coldest opening day I've been a part of. Uh, I never had gotten snowed on before. (laughs) I remember as a player, you know, but you're pretty well, you know, bundled up, you know what to do. You're out there, you're staying loose. You know, you're moving around a little bit to where as a spectator, you know, you're pretty much sitting there, man. I felt when I I stood up after doing the hour pregame show, man, and I felt like my knees were 80 years old. Like, holy (laughs) crap, bro. No wonder everybody's getting wasted. Um, But so, second part of the question was the command issues. Yeah, absolutely. Both of those guys yesterday, you know, Luis Castillo and Jack, um, you know, those are guys that are around the zone. And they were around the zone. I didn't think that they were erratic necessarily, but just a little bit different. And And I thought the only guy that really held his velocity of what we're used to seeing was probably uh, Alex Reyes. You know, he was at his probably normal velocity, and I was kind of thinking about that. I was watching everybody was a couple ticks below what they usually were, and that's why they call it midseason form, man. Like, it's warm during the midseason. You're able to stretch your body, your ligaments out. You're able to do a little bit more than you're used to doing in this cold weather. So the grip of the ball certainly – Uh, is affected by the cold and the wind you know it just dries your fingers out you see guys going a lot more to the uh you know to their mouth to get a little bit of moisture Uh, it, it does make a big difference so um, you know, I was—I totally hit the nail on the head, man. I was like, "Oh yeah, it's gonna be a pitcher's duel. It's cold. Nobody <laughs> wants to hit." You know, there's six runs scored before a freaking out was made. So, uh you know, that's that's—it's a hard game to predict. That's for sure.
5: well uh, Sam, one thing we—you can always predict when it's Cardinals and Reds in Cincinnati—is Yadier Molina is going to get booed at the Great American Ballpark, <laughs> and we saw it once again. Am I right?
6: Yep. Yeah, oh, yeah, man. I mean, they does fans don't forget. I, I, I can tell you that. So it was just interesting after a year off, uh, you know, it don't matter. And he, he's he is always going to get booed in Cincinnati. I think that may, hopefully he takes it as somewhat of a sign of respect. I respect the heck out of that guy. Um, and he's always seems to be in the middle of it. Whatever it is, he is in the middle of it. Uh, you know, he even hits a ground ball that turns into an error yesterday that kind of you know, sparks an inning. And it's like he's just – he's there. He's, and that's why he is who he is. He always finds a way uh, to be involved and to make an impact on the game one way or the other. So, uh, you know, he's ticketed for Cooperstown without a doubt in my opinion. Uh, I, I hate sometimes when people speculate early on guys that are going to Cooperstown. It's not so early in Yachty's career. And for me, uh, he's surefire.
0: Well, I I hate to be the guy that could speculate early, but Nolan Arenado might eventually be a guy that joins him there in Cooperstown. I wanted to get your perspective on him, Sam, of uh, what do you see yesterday from what he brings to this Cardinals lineup, and what do you think of that 2-3 with Goldie Arenado in the middle of the Cardinals order now?
6: Uh, Man, I think... uh... As far as that 2-3 goes, I was that's the, maybe the one time I've been happy my ass is sitting in the booth and not on the pitching mound. I mean, you flip those guys over and you know you're going to get 30 home runs, 100 RBIs, a high on-base percentage, a gold glove, good base running, good clubhouse. I mean, the, those two guys, I mean, they truly are the whole package Um you know, their their lineup is, is long. I, I kind of pointed out Dylan Carlson in, in the pregame show. He made me look smart, unfortunately, for the Reds club. Um, you know, he drove that ball there early. I, th- mm-hmm. I know that they're really high on him. I thought Ryan Ludwick's, Ludwick, uh, who you guys may be, still yeah. be familiar, uh, is a good buddy of mine. And he and I actually talked today for a little while. Um, and he was k- talking about Dylan and saying what a hard worker he is, that he that Ryan thinks he's going to be a really, really good player, Um and, and, and he sure looked apart yesterday but I love Tommy Edmond I think he's got a great nose for the ball uh, yeah the lineups long Paul DeYoung uh, is is really good I I, I I love what you know I love what they have going on over there if, if I'm a cardinal fan
3: um, you know and I, and I
6: love knowing they're not a man he's he, it's not so too too early in his career to kind of start speculating a little bit I mean he's got eight gold gloves in eight seasons um, you know there's third base is underrepresented in the Baseball Hall of Fame, uh, which is why another former Cardinal, Scott Rowland, may be on his way there before too long. Um, but no, I, I think the lineup's really strong. I have been a little bit... Um, I'm not so sold on the pitching. Jack really needs to be Jack. Uh, I tell you that much, man. I, I I got a chance to see some of the bullpen yesterday. Obviously, Wayno, you feel like you know what you're going to get from him, but age is undefeated you know what i mean and, yeah. and at some point and at some point it does turn but uh, i'm a huge adam Wayne right fan always have been i' learned my curveball from watching him throw it um <laughs> uh, so i don't do the finger up thing like he does but just kind of his finish the way he disrupts hitters timing um you know so i think they need to get their pitching intact um and if they do i, I think they've got you know obviously a really good chance of that lineup uh, to win the division but um you know there's there's one if in that in that sense. so as long as there's one if you know you got to keep every you got to keep everybody on the field
0: we're talking to sam lakeer former reds reliever he's joining us here on 101 espn sam i know you grew up in, in missouri if i'm not mistaken the jeff city area did, did you right. grow up as a cardinals fan was were they your team growing up
6: no no i mean i lived out in the woods man so we didn't get too many channels we got uh we got all the, you know, the ABC, NBC, CBS, or whatever they were. I think we had three channels. And I did, you know, I yes, I, I knew all the Cardinals players, don't get me wrong, but I knew the Pirates players, and I loved the Braves pitching. You know, the Braves were in the playoffs 15 years in a row or something like that. I would say the Braves were my team because they had Smoltz, Glavin, and Maddox, and I loved those guys. Um, so when I was growing up, um, you know, they were in the playoffs every single year. Uh, so I got a chance to know them and be re- real familiar with them. But uh, I would say the Braves first, the Cardinals second, Willie McGee when I was growing you know, at a younger age, was my favorite player. Um, you know, so, I, you know, I knew all those guys. Jose Okendo, Ray Lankford, Ho- Ho- Felix Jose. I mean, I, I knew them all. So uh, but I definitely followed them. But, no, they weren't my favorite team. Still not, still not my favorite huh. team. Uh but I, I, you know, my, I, you know, they're one of my thirty favorite teams. I'll tell you
0: that. That's fair. Nice. Uh, the reason why I asked is because I, I was looking back because I was curious if you had played an opening day here in St. Louis, and I saw in in twenty thirteen you were here for the Cardinals home opener that season, yep. and you ended up getting the win that game. day. That was a hell of a
6: game. I remember that, right? Wasn't it? Yeah. Well, it was I, I for you. Was, I don't uh, think
0: Cardinals fans would agree with that assessment. Well, no. <laughs> no, just
6: I mean, just a hell of a game as far as I mean. You know, I think that I think they were way up, and I forget who it was—a Mitchell Boggs, and um, I forget who the other guy they had there. I, I certainly don't want to call him a flash in the pan, but he was a couple-year guy who was pretty dominant, and you think he was closing that year. I, I can't was remember. Those, no. Was it Mott? No. Gosh. I can't I yeah it's killing me I can't think of who it is well I see it, here it, you
0: guys scored nine runs in the ninth yeah. inning to win it 13 yeah. to four okay that's ridiculous <laughs> Sam right, that's right, right, not right. okay right. yeah
6: was, I knew I knew it was a crazy okay so it was a crazy game so I knew we scored a lot late I thought it was to come back and go ahead but because uh, I think Shinsu Chu was the final piece of the puzzle there somewhere um But yeah, I, I, I got the win that day, huh? You did. Yeah. And I I
0: was curious, you know, like you played in Cincinnati and you played that home opener here in St. Louis as well. And when you look around baseball in terms of what the opening day festivities are, those are probably the two places that are the most storied for that. Do you have, maybe it is that nine run comeback, but do you have a, a favorite opening day memory from your career?
6: Um, well, I, I, I do remember that, man. I remember I'm um, pulling out uh, everybody coming out in the back of the, you know, the red trucks and, you know, all the players coming out in their nice red, you know, probably it was a Raptor at that time or something like that. And, you know, the, the hall of famers, you know, the, the Cardinals hall of famers that were coming out beforehand, which, you know, I mean, I like, again, like I said, I knew all those guys, you know, so I'm, you know, I'm focused on the game, and by that time I'd had a couple years in, so I kind of knew the deal as far as opening day. I wasn't trying to get too awestruck, but uh, that was a great memory. Um, going back to the fans a little bit, you know, obviously opening day is held in Cincinnati every year. Um, you know, being able to have. know your loved ones in attendance. I appreciate the general, I say the general fan, you know, the people that I don't know personally, like, I mean, I appreciate those people big time. I go out there and I play my ass off for them just like anybody else, but you know, having your family in the stands and going out there, uh, you try not to think about it because you don't want to try too hard because they're there. Um, But when you do a good job, you sure feel good about making them proud and and happy happy that they were uh, able to be there to share it with you. So, Uh, Anytime the family was in the stands, man, you know having, you know having my dad in the stands. He passed away a few years ago. Having him there was, you know, was cool and and being able to to share that with him. And, um, you know, I love flyovers. Big flyover guy. The they have an eagle in Cincinnati here at the Cincinnati Zoo. Uh, It's got a bum leg, but he can still fly. Hmm. And uh, his name's Sam. So when he would they they drop him in off that riverboat in center field, they had to start him high because he couldn't get his, get himself going, so he kind of flowed in. Uh, I loved watching him come in uh, and, all, and all the good things that go with it. So um, I think one opening day, remember, we, we were playing the Angels. Um, I can't remember what year it was. I think it was the first year they had just signed Josh Hamilton. Um, and I think we played a 13- or 14-inning game, set a record for strikeouts. You know, I think I got to, you know, pretty rare you get to face Mike Trout. I mean, I'm, he's, my, he's my favorite player. Uh, as he should be, everybody's, <laughs> I think, but right. Uh, right there with Nolan and Goldie. But um, you know, got to get, to, you know, you get to face him. Josh Hamilton was my first strikeout that that year um, on my worst pitch. Um, you know, the changeup, which I threw, I think I threw one time a year. I think I got my first strikeout on my changeup every year, and now I've decided I don't want to take a chance on throwing it again, or probably was going to get it out of the park. Uh, you know, but every, you know, just stupid stuff like that, you know, just the kind of dumb little memories that, you know, the weird memories that ball players have about, you know, a certain count and a certain day and the wind was blowing this way and, you know, they smelled popcorn or whatever it was. So um, they're all great memories that just sometimes need it jogged.
0: Sam, I think I figured it out. I think it was Epchinski. I think that's who you were thinking of for the Cardinals
5: reliever.
6: It was another, it was another righty. It was, was it Ryan another... Franklin? No. No.
5: I'm gonna go through this. I'm I not swear not to me. say, I I'm was, gonna go I through have, this.
6: No, I mean, it could have been, it could have been Mott, but I think it was. I don't think it was Rosenthal. It was another guy that another righty, like pretty power righty. I feel like. Um, I mean, it very well could have been Mott. That it, that doesn't feel like who it was. It was it was their one year. It was Boggs, and this other guy was kind of a one-two punch. I thought, but. Uh, I'm down. I'm down here sure Going to go back and look. For I him. know. Well, now I'm going to dig gonna through this, this out, and we're going to figure it I'm, out.
0: I've got the pitchers for the Cardinals that day. It was Garcia, Cho, Rosenthal, Boggs, and Zepchinski. Those were the ones that okay. threw that day.
6: Then may, maybe it was a maybe. It, then it, I knew it was Boggs. Boggs definitely stuck out. I think he had the worst of it that yep.
0: day. Six earned runs allowed. Not <laughs> a great yeah, one, yeah, in one yeah. Okay, so one he didn't need
6: much help. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I was trying to give him some help. But, uh, <laughs> I guess he did, kind of did that on his own.
0: Sam this has been awesome man We appreciate the time today We'll definitely reach out again soon I know the Cardinals got plenty of matchups Against the Reds this year So uh, we'll be chatting again soon hopefully All the best to you Enjoy this baseball season Enjoy 162 this time around man
6: You better believe it you guys do. Thanks for having me Reach out anytime Thanks Absolutely Sam.
0: that's Sam LeCure Joining us here on 101 ESPN Via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity line as always That was awesome And I always enjoy talking to guys That uh, you can tell Have so much joy for the game God he and loves
5: the game I mean honestly just hearing him talk about it you could tell he loves the game.
0: Yeah. And it's it's pretty cool a guy that grew up, he was in Jeff City, ended up going to the Reds and I I was hoping he was a Cardinals fan. Couldn't get that part out of him.
5: Yeah. I was hoping you're a Cardinals fan but unfortunately we can't get that out whoa, of you either. Whoa
0: whoa whoa. I'm the optimist on this show. Right, get T-Bone. out of here. <laughs> 65780 oh is the Air Comfort Service Tax line. You give us four options, we'll tell you which one's got to go. One's got to go coming up next on 101 ESPN.
4: This is the BK and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. This is BK and Ferrario. Time now for One's Gotta Go. We offer up the talking points and you get to pick which one's gotta go on 101 ESPN.
0: 780 is the air comfort service text line for one's gotta go let's start out with a baseball theme to one gotta go you give us four options we'll tell you which one's gotta get up out of here Bush Stadium food Bush Stadium food well, one's gotta go. Hot dogs
5: go. we know that sting Ding. well
0: that is one of them hot dog brat helmet nachos or Chinese you all know the Chinese spot is a favorite oh. Chinese food hot dogs brats or the helmet nachos which one's gotta go
5: Chinese is going you had it at Bush stadium? I don't do Chinese ballpark food. It's pretty good. It's Six like, five seven no. eight zero. you got to tell Alex about the Chinese food at Bush stadium. Cause it's like, delightful. I will stay away from that as much as possible. Um, so I'm getting rid of the Chinese food because that's not a ballpark food. That is a, um, it's a Bush stadium ballpark food. No, 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 no. it's not a Bush stadium ballpark okay. food because I'm in a ballpark and I'm not eating Chinese, no pork and rice at a baseball game. I'm sticking with the nachos and hot dogs and brats.
1: I'm with you. Get rid of the Chinese food. I'm, You got to keep the nachos, the dogs, and the brats. Come on. That's easy. Chinese food. See ya. I'm with you guys.
0: Chinese food's got to go. This guy. (laughs) Here's the thing.
1: The Chinese food's really
0: good, but it's like 150 degrees outside. It's got 100% humidity. And Chinese is just, I, I can't do the rice with the, it it's too much. It's too much in the heat. Now, if it's like a 70 degree game, like tonight, if you were going to a Cardinals game tonight, this is when you get the Chinese food at the game. This is the right type of type of weather for well, it. Well,
5: apparently I'm an uncultured swine for not trying the Chinese from the 314 and, and, and an idiot for not trying the stir fry. I tell you what, because you called me an uncultured swine, I'm not going to try it.
0: It It is actually worth trying It is good It's legitimately good I just wouldn't man, When it's 110 degrees out there, man It's hard It's tough sell
1: Every ballpark has its known food I thought Bush's was like a bacon-wrapped hot dog or something
5: Enough with the hot dogs, Tanner No,
1: that's a true fact I thought that's what they were known for
5: I think they are kind of known for that Chinese spot Oh It it's, it's I know and I've only been going to games for 21 like, years. How did I not know and that? I,
1: <laughs> if
0: you're walking around the stadium, yeah. it has the longest line at all times. And, and
5: I know Enterprise Center has one too. Now, I don't know if that's good because, again, I don't do Chinese food at games, but I've seen it at Enterprise, so it might just be like a St. Louis stadium thing.
1: Like uh, Cincinnati, when I went to Cincinnati's ballpark the I think Skyline? It was two years ago. Chili. Skyline, Skyline Chili. Skyline chilling. Oh, God, I want some like, of that. Nothing like having that on mid August and you get 100 out and whew,
0: Trash, trash Baltimore's
1: known for crab nachos
0: 65780 is the air comfort service text line for one gotta go are they really I
1: think it was Baltimore was yeah they're actually really good it's
5: probably like California or something no I haven't been Makes out west
1: I've been to um, Baltimore
0: one gotta go things associated with baseball edition ceremonial first pitch the seventh inning stretch bobblehead giveaways or the walk, walk up music for players.
5: was say the wobble. I'm like,
0: wait, <laughs> what? Ceremonial uh, first pitch, seventh inning stretch, bobblehead giveaways, or the walk up music for players.
5: Now, getting rid of the bobbleheads, walk up music's awesome. Especially, remember Matt Holidays was the big show from wrestling? That was pretty awesome. Um, It's a tie for last right now between the ceremonial first pitch and the seventh inning stretch. Oh, see, I think it's easy. But I'm going to get rid of the seventh inning stretch because. What? I, I, I really like... I know, God, Mr. Old Timer over here. I really like watching the Hall of Famers in St. Louis throwing those first pitches out. Sometimes the other ones you kind of dry, drown out, but yeah, I'm going to get rid of the seventh inning stretch.
1: you got to be kidding me. You stand up. You
0: is personally hein? offended by you getting rid of I can stand up and that.
5: stretch when I'm walking to get a hot dog.
1: <laughs> you don't do hot dogs for dinner. Well, How are you going to do that? Well,
5: if I'm at a ball game, I might.
1: I, I think you i enjoy the ceremony first pitch with the hall of famers but usually it's a uh, it's not just a first pitch it's like jack Flaherty's 100 pitch count first pitches that's ceremonial from some random stranger that paid 100 bucks to do it you might be sorry to the ball game too early. i know he did it but yeah i no, get rid of the ceremonial first pitch your guy Walt you threw want one a, out want a fu- you want a fun fact no toronto they don't they do a seven inning stretch not the one that we're used to what do really? they do? do
5: they do the ymca
1: no, I don't remember. There's just something like birds fly or something like that. Really weird.
0: Interesting. Didn't appreciate it. Um, I am actually gonna go with the bobblehead giveaway. What ends up happening when DK I doesn't like free
5: things? Okay. What yeah, what's up, up with that?
0: What ends up happening when I'm uh, at a game and you get the bobblehead giveaway? You see, you look down. It's like the seventh eighth inning when people are trying to beat the traffic, right? And all of the bobbleheads are just sitting underneath the seats where they would have been at previously. And they just leave them there.
1: Free stuff, eBay, easy. (laughs) Touching.
5: There's nothing better and humorous than when you're leaving Bush Stadium or when you're going to Bush Stadium when I was doing the pre and post and they'd have the giveaways and you'd see somebody leaving that had like 15 bobbleheads yeah, in their smart. arms and they're going back to their cars to put it in. It's like, what the hell is going on right now? 65780
0: is the air comfort service X line for one gotta go. You give us four options. We will tell you which one's gotta go. One gotta go cookie edition, mm. oatmeal raisin, sugar, chocolate chip, Oreo oatmeal raisin sugar chocolate chip
5: oreo one's gotta go i don't even know if oreo should be in this conversation but it's from the text line oreo's right. not gonna go chocolate chip can't go i'm a big oatmeal, oatmeal raisin, raisin is number one on this list oh yeah i'm a big best. oatmeal raisin what? uh fan tanner, you're 75 years God, old and you don't are, like man. oatmeal raisin Dude, what is no. wrong with you I hate make sugar cookies have to go how do you hate raisins that probably help you go to the bathroom you're uh, old i feel disgusting. like you should be eating bran cereal or prunes yeah you seem like a prune kind of guy
1: oh uh, no i i've had surgery before and had prune juice never again <laughs> that, yeah. I, that makes sense that makes a <laughs> probably lot of on sense his hip. Yeah. hip surgery <laughs> yeah you got to get a hip <laughs> reconstructive
5: hip surgery for tanner the first 15 year old to have it's from all it's, it's all that chasing guys off of his Lawn, sugar cookies got to go. By the way,
1: ah, oh, sugar cookies, fantastic. That makes You've sense. That makes sense. Oatmeal, oatmeal, raisin, see ya. And
0: I've also got to go with the sugar cookies. Sugar cookies are super, super overrated. Cook. All right, last one here. One's got to go. One's got to go. critter and pest <laughs> edition. Bees, cicadas, spiders, or snakes—these are Ooh. Alex's favorite thing in I the world. I was gonna
5: say this is my nightmare. Bees, cicadas,
0: <laughs> spiders, or snakes—one's gotta go, Alex.
5: Is this—is this one's gotta go? Fear factor or one's gotta take go? It take care you of. Want, okay.
1: Man. Um you have to be so aggressive.
5: <laughs> Jeez, God, <gasps> I know. I Jeez. I've been really now, angry today. I'm gonna get rid of snakes because the the other three I can handle. Um, I go into this petrified, um, panic attack, pass out territory when I see a snake anywhere near a snake. Uh, the other three I can handle, so snakes gotta go for me. Mine's I, maybe a
1: quote unquote bias opinion, but bees are the one for me because I'm allergic, so it's life or death, so
5: they gotta go. Let's let's see if. Tanner will get stung by a bee and see what happens. My my honest answer is
0: all of the above, but since we got to say one's got to go, uh, we'll go ahead and go snakes as well. I'm with Alex. I'm good on that. I don't need that Seriously, in my life. I,
5: I like get the shakes. I start to sweat and, and I'm borderline passing out if I see anything close to a snake.
0: 65780 is the Air Comfort Service X-Line from the 314. Tanner is right about everything and his unveiled indignation about it proves that that is the case. <laughs> Thank you. That's... that's they're not wrong. They're 100% correct. They're not wrong. With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie We'll cross things over with the Fast Lane next. This is the BK
4: and Ferrario podcast. Now here's BK and Ferrario. Time now for the crossover. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Close to home or close to work. For quality tires and expert auto service, you can always count on Dobbs.
0: Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. If you missed anything from today's show, be sure to check out the podcast page, 101ESPN.com. The free 101ESPN app is all presented by I Promise. Alex, what are you looking forward to tonight in this Blues game?
5: Seeing how the Blues adapt and adjust to Colorado, Colorado's a powerhouse right now. They've scored 14 goals in the last two games. Like, they are on fire. Now, on the plus side, the Blues issue hasn't been scoring goals. No, no. (laughs) Uh, But it, uh, it has been in the past of allowing goals, and you're doing that against a really good team. Uh, so I'm uh, I'm curious to see how they adjust to this Colorado team, especially with this McKinnon, Landeskog, and, and uh, Rantanen line.
0: That's coming up tonight at seven. Blues versus Avalanche. This is a back-to-back situation. Blues versus Avalanche tomorrow night Love back as to well. Crossing things over with the fast lane, Anthony Stalter in studio with us. Stalter, what's good, man? How you doing today?
5: Good boys. How
2: we doing? More importantly, how are you doing after that just disrespect yesterday? Oh, well, they got me. They got me big time. Uh, here's the thing, boys, and I talked to my wife, Kristen, about this last night. So Mike Ryder reached out to Kristen to get some dirt, and um, she responded. Here's the thing: I, I hate practical jokes. Do you hate April Fool's Day? I hate April April Fool's Day. I hate, I hate it.
0: Michael Strahan for pulling a fast one over on us. Did uh, you see what happened yesterday? We talked for ten minutes about how he oh, got rid of his he gap. He got you. It was fake. Uh, He didn't actually get rid of the gap.
5: How about that? This guy. I told him the whole time that segment stalls is like, that's not true. It didn't happen. It didn't actually happen. So I'm with you, Anthony.
2: I'm with you. I mean, it's easy to pull off practical jokes when 10 people are in on it. Exactly. It's not fair. It's not fair. You know what? I want retribution
5: for you. Thank you. Here's your fellow Italian. You have two of them in here with you. Mm Mm-hmm. Mike Ryder needs to be needed. We
0: have way too many Italians on staff for, for us to be a stable
2: situation that's, that's here. That's what I'm saying. This, no. this cannot go without any justice. Thank you. It was great, I mean, they got me. They got me. What are you going to do? It was that was well done. That was, it was well done. It was well executed. Mm-hmm. Jamie Rivers, Luke, Mike Ryder, exceptional acting jobs. If you missed it, Kerr and Smallman talked about it today, but they, they set it up. Ryder kind of basically executed the whole thing with Jamie and Luke, and they had a, a, f- a comedian call in for the gauntlet and pretend that he was a super fan. And at first, I'm like, "Oh, this is cool. I got one fan." Uh, <laughs> that didn't. That apparently that wasn't true either. So that that was kind of a tough blow when I thought about it. When I reflected on you it, probably later. listened to you in Bristol. I doubt it. <clears throat> and then, um, then they, they so it just kind of got creepier as yep. the gauntlet wore on. And I thought you when when got I'm to like,
0: your pond. That's yeah. when I was like, "Oh, this is uh, this is this a little is weird. weird. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Must be just
2: a really intent listener." I didn't think it was a prank. I just thought it was maybe one of my you know, parents' like good friends sure. that was a little overzealous. He yeah. you know, was just kind of pump, pumping my tires a little bit. I love it. So they got me. They got me good. Who are you more upset with, your coworkers and Jamie Rivers and Mike Ryder, who you confide in or your wife giving all that information? Don't my co-workers. Wife. Yeah, don't say your wife. Smart. Yeah. This is a smart answer. Because I think she only gave up my, my dad's name. That was about it. Oh, okay. So Ryder is the worst one in the group. Ryder's the worst. Yeah, Ryder's the worst one. And and Emily, too. The producer yeah. for the morning show. I heard you this morning. Wait, Wait, I haven't even spoken more than like three words to spoken, you. I haven't. Why is it? What, what did Emily do? Oh, she was apparently the mastermind. Really? She was yeah. the genius behind all of this. Oh, I was unaware. Michelle, wow. Michelle apparently wanted to use the comedian to call in and prank us with an interview that was that was the original idea gotcha. and apparently Emily said why don't we why don't we make him into like a super fan of somebody and then Ryder then took it from there
0: well Ryder is the mastermind behind a lot of these things he's so he really, is. He is. really he thinks yeah. he is that's okay really blowing up in your face so I, I get that that, that <laughs> yeah. makes some sense
2: so again we gotta text what happened they podcast they, page they, yeah. exactly they you punked got punked they, you got punked big time yeah.
0: check out the podcast yesterday it's all presented by i promise over on the 101 espn app 101 espn.com stultz i'm sure you guys are going to get plenty into what happened yesterday in the cardinals game reacting to a lot of that what else do you guys have coming up today on the fast Light, well man? jimmy
2: Ballgame's going to join us at 3 30 McLaughlin at 2 30 so we got some some cardinals reaction too we'll get into the blues and i think we're going to take mic drops on this Moving forward here, so for the remaining, how many games, Alex? 21. 21. For the remaining 21 games, thank you. I put you on the spot and you nailed it.
5: I'm just pre and post, baby. You ready to go. Crushed
2: it. 21 games. Who who becomes the most important blue now for, for this team over the next 21 games. Talked about so, that a little yeah, bit earlier. There you go. So we'll list some Preview. some mic drops as well. Blues, cards, a lot of cards. Cards heavy, but we got to get into the blues with a huge matchup tonight with the Avalanche.
0: Looking forward to that. That's coming up from two to six today on the Fastland. We will be back on Monday at 11 right here on 101 ESPN. Yeah 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 yeah
4: yeah yeah. You're no, an idiot. No. You've been listening to the BK and Ferrario podcast, powered by I Promise.